4: Presented by AT and T. Connecting changes everything.
1: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio.
0: I kind of feel like the Big Ten right now, Aaron Torres. You want to know why? Yes, I do. Uh, the good. reason why is I had even I have not even sent my pre-show tweet, and the show is here. It's like these games are going on right now in the Big Ten Championship and the American Championship. But we are now under an hour away from the field of 68 being revealed. We are pushing it up right to the wire. And here's the deal. If you're a college basketball fan, heck, even if you're not a college basketball fan, for the next three hours, we're getting you set for the bracket. Then we're going to have the bracket revealed to you. And then we'll, we'll react to the bracket. That's what we've got for the next three hours. You can hit Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter At Dan Byer on Fox. As today's show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas. The greatest arena on earth. Every game, match, race, and competition, it is always on. Whoever you root for, whatever sport you love to watch, the biggest games are even bigger in Vegas. So make sure to plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. So two games left to go that are being played right now. Honestly, as we look at these four teams... Memphis maybe entering the week would have been the only question mark to maybe make the field, but I think that they're still pretty firmly in. So I'm not even sure on what we are watching in these four <laughs> games and what is being played for when it comes to the field of 68. Is I, I look at maybe Purdue with the opportunity to put a conference tournament title along their resume, but I still don't know if it's good enough for them to maybe jump up to a possible Two seed if they were, maybe a three seed or in, in that order. But honestly, as, as we look at this, Aaron, these four teams that are playing right now in the final games of the championship week, championship week before the bracket is revealed – these four teams are already in the dance.
3: Yeah, the only thing that I could really think of was coming into the day uh, in a tribute to our board op, Iowa Sam. I think coming into the Big Ten tournament, uh, uh, you know, you and I were, were hosting throughout the week, and, and we were talking, you specifically mentioned Iowa as kind of that sleeper team that's going to be at the four, five, six line somewhere in there that could surprise some people. Cup selection Sunday. Well, I'll tell you this with the way they beat Indiana yesterday, they currently are leading Purdue today in obviously what will probably be the most watched regular season game or pre-NC. tournament game of the season I don't think they're going to be anybody sleeper after today so that that would be the only real thing four teams left as you said that are still playing all four are seemingly comfortably into the tournament and I think at this point the only the only kind of pseudo narrative that I could come up with is Iowa was kind of a was kind of a team that was off the radar coming into this week especially if they win this game up six I I don't think anybody's going to be uh
0: anyone's going to be calling them a sleeper after this one what do we know right now? This is this is how I, I I think when we look at this field of 68 and we start at the top, I think we know for sure who are the three who are, who are going to be number one seeds with three of the schools. I think that there is one spot that is up for grabs. But would you say right now that Gonzaga, Arizona, and Kansas have locked? You feel of locked up number one seeds? Do you feel that way?
3: Yeah, I, you know, it's funny when we talked about this throughout the week, I don't claim to be a bracketology expert, but based on what everybody else is saying, it felt pretty good that if Gonzaga was going to be a number one seed and they clinched their conference tournament back on Tuesday. Arizona obviously last night clinched that uh, you know Pac-12 tournament, but they were pretty safely in. And then there was kind of a shuffle for those final two spots, but it seemed like pretty common wisdom that if Kansas were to win the Big 12 uh, conference tournament title, that they would be locked in. They beat two NCAA tournament teams along the way in TCU and Texas Tech last night. I would think that yes, Kansas would be a third one along with the two that you also
0: mentioned, Gonzaga and Arizona. So. I, I've laid out what I believe are six schools, and that would, if you do the math, it actually already takes us down to the third seed line of these schools being in contention. And this is this is what is interesting about how this bracket is laid out. I'm not saying, Aaron, that there are six schools right now that are worthy of being a number one seed. When I mentioned Purdue playing right now against Iowa, I don't think Purdue would get a number one seed. I don't think that that is the case. But let's at least just put them in the conversation as as a as a possibility. I'm going to give you six teams. You tell me if you think that they are in consideration for a number one seed. Just because, in consideration, not who's actually going to get it. Correct. Okay. Who's cool, in cool. consideration? Because then we can take those teams. And really weed out who is the best of the best to get that final one. Do you think Purdue is in consideration for a number one, even though they trail by six right now to Iowa? If they were to rally and win. Yes, I think if they were to win, they would be in consideration. Okay, do you think Duke is who lost in the ACC final last night? I do not know. Okay, so let's take Duke and let's cross them out. What about SEC tournament champion Tennessee?
3: I think there has been a strong social media push to get them into the conversation. And I think that that push is actually backed by the data. Um, I don't think they're going to get one, but I do think they should be in consideration, yes.
0: Auburn. Do you think Auburn is regular season SEC champ, however, ousted in the SEC tournament? I
3: don't think they're any longer in consideration okay. because of the early tournament loss, and they were trending in the wrong direction for a few weeks
0: now. What about Kentucky?
3: I honestly really think <laughs>
0: i'm I'm killing the segment here. No no, 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 this there's a re- this is sure. actually how it is supposed to be. okay because I do You're think right. that it's I actually do think it's down to two teams but go ahead.
3: Yeah, I if Kentucky had won the SEC tournament, I believe they would have gotten one. I believe if they had played today, they would have been in consideration. They lose to Tennessee, I do not believe they are any more in the mix for a number 1 seed.
0: All right, and then that leads up to Baylor. Do you believe Baylor's in consideration?
3: I'll save the the long form. Yes, Baylor is absolutely in consideration. So,
0: and, and and I I agree with that. I I think that there's a question. You know, Purdue right now, and unfortunately for them, Jade Ivy is on the court. This could be a whole other conversation when you talk about uh, he, when you talk about playing these championship games.
3: Really quick, late in the game yesterday, he went down hard with uh, on a on a big play, and he grabbed kind of his tailbone and it looks like it's very oh no this one but he did hit his tailbone and the, the second time in 2 days that he's gone down pretty hard so i think it's probably a recurring injury at this point. He
0: ended up catching a wet spot on the floor and his foot came out from underneath him and he fell on his backside fell on his right hip and to your point of yesterday if you're already feeling if you're already feeling a little sore in that spot this did not help. He was grabbing his hip which had us worried a little bit. But there there could be a whole other conversation, Aaron, considering, and you and I, when we sat in for Doug Gottlieb on Friday, have talked about this scenario. When you have these two games so close up to Selection Sunday, the validity of these games, meaning anything towards the bracket, I think is a legitimate conversation. Well,
3: I, I will say, John Calipari has been very vocal about this, and history tells you that, really not all that much if you if you're playing on sunday it doesn't appear as though a win really benefits you or a loss really hurts you uh, in terms of the of NCAA tournament seeding, so I am not going to go full fledged uh, conspiracy theory here, Dan. But what I would say is there is a belief that winning on Sunday does a little to impact your tournament seeding. And by the way, I think the Tennessee fans have taken up the John Calipari mantle on this exact conversation <laughs> this year. So
0: they, well, hey, you know, they end up taking care of Texas A and M, and maybe if they end up playing a little different, tougher opponent, maybe it helps their cause even further. But I. To to Calipari's point, I don't think that, I just don't think that the committee, unless you can do an even swap of squads, does an actual swap. And, and and one of the changes that we've seen, and trust me, we're gonna get back to the number one seed because I think it does play a role in all of this. When they eliminated the last ten games, mm-hmm. it made everything more important. But what the, the every it made everything important. It didn't make the last 10 more important than the previous 20. But what that then does is these great wins of teams that are peaking into the tournament yes. don't get as much credit for those wins, even though we seem to know more about the teams that we did in November and December.
3: It, it, You know, and these are like fun conversations to have. And and I, I will say, like, I get why they eliminated the, the final 10. But I do think it kind of looks bad for the committee if say Baylor who lost in the opening round of their conference tournament clearly wasn't playing well down the stretch've had some injuries not their fault if they're a number one seed and say Tennessee's a two or a three uh, and and it's clear that that winning today had little impact on them while Baylor's been sitting at home for four days uh, I think it's the same with the bubble where I, I won't bore people with over you know too many stats here but Xavier was really bad down the stretch I don't think any I don't think most Xavier fans would say they're one of these sixty eight <laughs> best teams in, in you know, or thirty whatever yeah. best at large candidates right playing right now. But I understand the idea that, you know, you shouldn't be discredited for beating a really good team early as opposed to credited for it late. But I, I do think it sets up this weird thing where, again, it does feel like these games are, are basically for exhibition. And as you said, if there's a team that's maybe right on the cut line or isn't going to get in, then you kind of create the scenario and the bracket with them in and with them out. But, you know, I, I, I like let me put it this way. I don't think Iowa is going to magically jump a seed line if they win this game. Um, so, we'll see. We're going to have a Correct. bracket here in f- yes f- 39 minutes, whatever it, it is. But go ahead.
0: And I, no, and, I'm, and I don't mean to interrupt. Here's the reason why Iowa doesn't jump a seed line. Because their jumping of a seed line would cause too much chaos. That, Especially when you are trying to designate teams to home court and other matchups. If you would move Iowa, let's just say from a four to a three, you are on the other side of the bracket in that region, which then throws a lot of other things off.
3: Well, it's funny because I've talked to Joe Lenardi about this, who obviously works for another network, but he's kind of, you know, one of the faces of bracketology. And, you know, he's like, there will be a, a late Thursday West Coast game, say, you know, St. Mary's is playing Gonzaga or whatever on a Thursday night. And he, like, he laid it out of like, well, it's not just or, or let's let's that's not a good example let's say st mary's is playing some bad team that's a not a good team whatever and they lose that game and then all of a sudden you got to drop them down and he said he's like it's not he, everyone thinks oh you just move this team down he's like no you have to account for all these other teams and all these moving parts as well so uh, you know it's a broader conversation of whether we should be having games right in the lead up to the bracket show i mean i i I think there's got to be a better way. There's a lot of reasons to celebrate college hoops today. We don't have to go down that rabbit hole. But I do I do think that that the way it's set up really does not uh does not
0: help to 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 maybe have the most fair balance bracket. And this is all done for TV. This is all done for TV to slide in and then CBS has their window, ESPN has their window of games. That's why this is done. All right, I'm gonna kick Purdue out. I don't think that Purdue is in consideration for a number one seed not that they're going to lose this game uh to Iowa, but Iowa's now up 7 with a little more than 4 minutes to go. It's down to Baylor and Tennessee. You got 10 quad wins for uh quad 1 wins for Baylor, you got 10 for Tennessee. Uh Tennessee's net rating 8, Baylor 4 entering today. Close, but Baylor has the edge there. Baylor won their regular season uh tied Kansas for the regular season title in the Big 12. Tennessee finished tied for second. Big 12, according to RPI uh, conference ratings, the toughest conference in college hoops this year, SEC second. We're getting down to splitting some hairs on this. But in the end, from what we talked about last 10, Aaron, I think Baylor gets the edge because of the regular season co-championship. That's how I think it plays out. We'll discuss if Baylor and Tennessee end up being in the same bracket. That would mean... That would be a fair shake for me if if, sure. if you looked at it that way because then one's on top and then you would have a 4-5 in the overall seed. But I think in the end, Baylor probably gets the edge because of the regular season. Co championship in the Big Twelve.
3: Yeah, a Tennessee fan on this show would argue if we open up the phone lines that they played the they played the regular season champ once and beat them. So they're you know they have every sure. bit. but no, I I I think your analysis is exactly how I would look at it, and it is. And by the way, in some ways, this is why it is fair that we don't do the last ten games because um, Baylor has had injuries, whatever, and they do have. I mean, they destroyed Villanova at one point this year. You know, they won against Kansas earlier in the year, so. Um, and that's why, like, that's one where there's a lot of different conversations around this board and the bracket and this, that, the other thing. But that's one where I have no strong opinion on. In some ways, I do believe that if you're playing well, go in this, in this, moment in time mm-hmm. right now it should matter more than if you played well in November 18th through through 31st or whatever but then there's the other argument of why should a great win count any less because it happened right now so that's just that's one part of this entire conversation that i have no strong opinion on uh but i do understand why we look at the totality of the season and to bring it back to the question that you're asking i think because of that Baylor probably gets that last number 1 seed and i think it makes sense for that reason
0: what is amazing you could see the Big 12 get two number 1 seeds in and then have three of the four two-seeds actually be from the SEC. Could hmm. be a scenario. Interesting. Could be a scenario. That, um, and not for sure, and it's actually something that I want to break down in a little bit, but that's how the seed lines could break out. There's also the Coach K factor. And I think that there's two sides to that. We'll dive into that next. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. This is your Fox Sports Sunday Special Edition as we get you set for the reveal of the 2022 NCAA Tournament Field. That comes up in about 45 minutes. As the brackets are released, we will have you covered here on Fox Sports Radio on who is playing who, where, and when. Just a quick update from the games that are going on right now. Iowa does lead Purdue by 8, 63 five at the four minute timeout in the second half so three fifty four to go there six forty six left to go in the American championship game Houston up on Memphis fifty one forty seven. Today's show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth Every game, match, race, and competition It is always on, whoever you root for Whatever sport you love to watch, the biggest games are even Bigger in Vegas, so make sure to plan your trip today At visitlasvegas.com This April 28th through the 30th Vegas will be hosting the 2022 draft An event that will be unlike Any other with unparalleled energy And excitement that only the greatest arena On earth can deliver. The best part Is we're giving away a trip for two to be a part Of the energy and excitement, and today is the final day to enter for your chance to win that's right you and the lucky person of your choosing can win a trip to las vegas during draft weekend april 28th through the 30th sponsored by the las vegas convention and visitors authority the prize package includes round trip airfare to vegas a hotel stay on the strip, access to Fox Sports Radio's draft broadcast, and more. To enter and get rules, visit foxsportsradio.com. That's foxsportsradio.com to win a trip to Vegas during draft weekend. Get there quickly, as today is your final chance to enter to win. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Bayer. Brackets to be revealed soon next year on Fox Sports Radio.
2: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge.
0: It's a special edition of Fox Sports Sunday, getting you set for the field of 68, which will be revealed coming up at the top of the hour. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Bayer. Two conference championship games wrapping up right now, going down to the wire in Indianapolis As Iowa holds a five point lead on Purdue, 67 to 62 with under two minutes to go. Memphis and Houston playing as well. In about six minutes or so, we'll go to the news desk, and Ralph Irvin will give us the latest of what's happening, not only in this Big Ten title game, but again, what's happening between Memphis and Houston. And again, brackets revealed at the top of the hour. If cold candidate calls aren't turning into hot hiring leads, then you need Indeed, because Indeed's powerful hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all from one place. Find your next great hire visiting Indeed.com slash credit. Mentioning the Big Ten tournament, Aaron, Indiana did themselves well by at least getting to the semifinals and losing on the heartbreaker to Iowa yesterday as Jordan Bohannon's bank shot went in with under a second to go. You also had Memphis, who's playing right now, make a nice run to the uh, title game in the American Conference. They were likely in anyway, but this kind of erases uh, all doubt. Then you have a team like Virginia Tech that goes and upsets Duke Uh, In the ACC title game last night, so the Hokies are in. Richmond beat Davidson earlier today to get the A-10 automatic bid. Davidson likely going to get an at-large bid, so, so Richmond ends up stealing a bid. But you had some teams that really were able to make a case for themselves and play themselves into the tournament, whether it be by strengthening their resume or getting that automatic bid over these last few days.
3: That is one of the most fun things about this week is, you know, and, and it was funny because Jason Martin and I were on last night and we were talking about the conversation of, are conference tournaments really the best way to determine uh, an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament? And you do feel bad for, let's just use hypothetically, maybe you don't feel bad for this guy, but like Rick Patino at Iona, he, he had by far the best team all year long in his conference. They end up losing in the conference tournament. But I think there's also the inverse of that as well, which is it really does give everybody a chance at the beginning of the week to play their way into this field of sixty eight, and then you have really cool stories like Virginia Tech that was not getting into this mm-hmm. tournament before the week started. Um, you know, Indiana I think was on was was right on the cut line, and if I think if they lose that opener to Michigan, I, I do think it goes the other way, and they're probably going to the NIT or not playing in the postseason. So it's a it's a fun conversation to have of our conference tournaments really the best way to determine an automatic bid especially in these one-bid leagues, but I also like it for the stories like Virginia Tech, Indiana, schools that can play their way in.
0: I love Championship Week uh, so much. I think it's a great week or whatever ESPN's calling it now. It'll always be Championship Week to me. I would look at the Iona situation and say, I agree with you. And it's why, actually, the WCC... Actually, has the best format of all. They're protecting their top seeds until the semifinals, sure. which allows you. Now, listen, Gonzaga's is going to get in, whether they would lose that semifinal or not. They are going to get into the tournament, but it protects you. And it's actually why the Ivy League, who now has a conference tournament, even though they can't spell on their championship T-shirts. Oh, did at I, I miss that? Yeah, they spelled Bulldogs wrong on the Yale wow. Bulldogs, uh, who beat Princeton today in the title game. That yeah, is quite an error. It you take now that the Ivy League does have a tournament. At least they do it with the top four teams, and it isn't necessarily a random tournament. Whereas Iona's got to go and play the whole, you know, basically a quarterfinal, semifinal, yep. and final to punch their ticket. Uh, it would be nice, I'm sure, if the Metro Atlantic allowed Iona to get that buy into the semifinals and have you win two games. But the WCC really does it best in protecting and making sure that their top seeds move up. I'll
3: tell you this funny story. I had a, a prominent. Um, friend who works in the media Uh, you would know his name if I mentioned it I won't but but he mostly covers football and he saw you know he's like a football just I hate to say it but a little bit of a meathead like you know just yeah uh, you know Mm -hmm. and he saw he saw a a graphic of the WCC tournament and he texted me one morning the the morning it came out two weeks ago is this real and I'm like yeah it's real it's like why do they do that that's a that's that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen and I was like it's actually are you
0: impersonating the person right now that that texted you with that
3: you know he it, he's very very
0: nice guy. Okay, All but right. you
3: know he's like a football guy. Like it's not hard to get him riled <laughs> up know. about stuff. We're you know just you, to figure out who it is. Yeah, you just got to. He's ready to run through a wall at the smallest thing. So you know whatever. But but that and for people who don't know that's why the WCC did it is exactly what you said. Is Mark Few basically went and said. All you're doing is setting our teams up for a bad loss that they can't overcome, and so, so yeah. I, I'm by the way, I'm with you. I love this week as much as the NCAA tournament. Um, it, it's just such a fun week, um, and and I don't know. I, I've enjoyed it even more this week this year than than most years. I think that there's some years I've had to travel a little bit for it, and being home and seeing the evolution of a Virginia Tech that wasn't sure about themselves on say Wednesday as opposed to Saturday, seeing Indiana kind of grow into themselves over a two, three, four day stretch. Uh, it's it's been fun to watch, and uh, we have a fitting culmination here with two games left with just a few minutes to go.
0: Speaking of culmination, Mike uh career as a college basketball coach will culminate with the uh, NCAA tournament taking place. So a month from now, Coach K will be retired. At least that's what we believe, but Coach K, yes, stepping aside as the Duke head coach. Duke, as we have ruled out, not a possibility for a number one. The question is, how does the committee – now take care of duke or don't they when it comes to the selection process it's something that aaron torres and myself dan buyer will discuss after ralph Irvin ends up giving us the latest of what's happening not only earlier today but in these two championship games that are going on right now what's happening ralph well we do have those two automatic bids that are out there and
5: well it's coming down to the wire for both of them first in the big 10 103 to play in the second half Number 24, Iowa, continues to lead number 9, Purdue, 69 62. The Hawkeyes trying to put this one away. Meanwhile, number 18, Houston, leading the championship game of the American Athletic Conference with a 63 53 advantage over Memphis. That's with 2.13 to play in the second half. Other teams punching their ticket today. Richmond takes the Atlantic 10 64-62 over Davidson. It'll be the Spiders' ninth ever NCAA tournament appearance, but the first since 2011. Tennessee punches the ticket for their 24th NCAA tournament and fourth straight. The number nine volunteers taking the SEC 65-50 over Texas A&M and Yale. Those of the misspelled bulldog uh, (laughs) t-shirts have a 66-64 win over Princeton punching their ticket
0: for their sixth Re-
5: NCAA tournament.
0: Re- Rel tweeted it. Was it Buldagogs? Was that what it was? B U L L D G O D S. Oh, <laughs> oh Buldagogs. Wow. I mean,
5: it was misspelled, in two, misspelled yeah. in two places. Oh, really? That's great. That's, that's pretty bad. That's, yeah, that's a little bit rough. Uh, there are reports from outkick.com. The Mississippi State has fired head coach Ben Howland. Mississippi State comes out and says if we receive an NIT bid, Coach Howland will be the coach. The original report says Ben Howland would coach if there's an NIT bid, and then he'll be fired.
0: So I saw Howland one day at Mulberry down the street years back. Was this like mm-hmm. during
5: college?
3: I thought
0: you meant like a month ago. Like, yeah, no. he was supposed to be in Starkville
3: <laughs> and he was just hanging in
0: L.A. No, no, but he was
5: still at UCLA. So we will we will see as that story progresses whether or not he is uh, going to return to Stark Vegas and NBA action. Clippers, a 106-102 win over the Detroit Pistons, overcoming an 18-point deficit. Detroit has now lost three straight on the floor right now. Boston, an 80-76 lead over Dallas. 902 to play in the fourth quarter. Five players in double figures. All five starters for the Celtics in fact
0: Jason Tatum leading the way with 19 points but now he sent it back to Dan Pyre and Aaron Torres Thank you very much Ralph, it is our Fox Sports Sunday special edition As the NCAA tournament bracket for 2022 will be revealed coming up at the top of the hour. So we are, the revealing will start uh, right after six o'clock Eastern time. As those brackets are revealed, uh, CBS has the exclusive rights to unveil those brackets. But as they are revealed and unveiled, we will tell you what those matchups are. So you are going to want to stick it, stick, uh, stay here. Uh, stick with us, what I was going to say. You don't want to stick it anywhere, but stick with us <laughs> for our Fox Sports Sunday special edition here on Fox Sports Radio. I mentioned it's Coach K's last run. Do you think the committee is easy on him? Do you think that they are a little tough on him when it comes to Duke's matchups? How do you think the committee, if at all, will address Coach K's final run with Duke?
3: Wow. Um. I You know, I don't even know. I don't even know. Um, First of all, I'm sorry. There was just some late breaking news that is very strange. Oh, Uh, Georgia. Which has a job opening has hired Mike White, who is the Florida basketball coach. So Georgia just hired
0: Florida's coach Whoa. in basketball. <laughs>
1: there had
3: been uh. there had been rumors that Mike White, uh, the fan base wasn't happy, and that he was maybe looking for a side door out out of Florida. Uh, but the belief was his alma mater was Ole Miss, and there was a possibility that he could land at Ole Miss. So how about that? I don't is is Georgia stealing Florida's coach if they don't want the coach? I I sorry. I, I saw that, and I couldn't think anything about Coach K. I mean, it's just that's a all very, right. very bizarre that, thing. No,
0: that's all right. It, it's uh, very, very weird. Yes. I know it's not it's not football, but it would be of, I mean, it would be like Jim Harbaugh going to Ohio State. It I mean, would be now, like when if, you take the two schools, I'm not saying that yes. with all of the background and everything with it, but when you have I'm try- Georgia and Florida. I'm trying
3: to think of like, an okay, this would be the analogy. It would be if... UCLA fans are frustrated with Chip Kelly. UCLA's terrible or USC is terrible and USC has a coaching job and they hired Chip Kelly which neither motivates their fan base and it also makes the other one happy cuz they didn't really want him in the first place. I I I don't that's the only way I can describe it. Like like it, cuz like it's it's just it's just very bizarre because he was not a coach in demand I don't know I, I don't well, even know hey
0: good good news at least we are talking about Georgia on yes. selection Sunday there you go there's there's a there's a tip of the cap we are at least talking Georgia on selection Sunday it looks like Iowa is going to win the big 10 tournament getting a win over Purdue 7464. this to me has a few ramifications and this goes back to coach K you know how I think that the tournament sets coach K up Ahead, there was yes. a report uh, a week or two ago that Duke had asked if it came down to it, depending on how the Blue Devils finished their season. But if they were to choose which regional they would go to, they would choose Chicago over Philadelphia, even though Philadelphia was a closer region for them. Yes. Coach K is from Chicago. What I think you're going to see, because this happens a lot more often than you would think, there is always a marquee region in the tournament. And it's why one of the one of the when you're filling out your bracket, you're gonna have two schools that maybe are just like, oh, they're a one and a two. Well, I'm gonna take the three, four, five seeds, maybe make a run there because the other teams look different, but there's always one bracket because you want that marquee game in the late window on Sunday on CBS. Sure. I think what you will see, and this will my my full predictions will come up in about 10 minutes for how I think the top two seed lines go, but Aaron. I think that Duke would be placed in the region, in the Midwest region, so they could play in Chicago if they go to the Sweet 16. I think Kansas would be the one seed. I think that would set up a Duke-Kansas matchup, which I think would be great for TV and great for everything, and it just looks good on the bracket. But I would not doubt if you would see Kentucky be in that region as well. I think Ooh. they are going to make it very, very difficult. I think they want, I think they want Coach K's games – To be the story of this tournament. So if you could have Duke in the first round, I think that you could see a region where you have Kansas, Duke, and Kentucky be the one, two, and three.
3: That just blew my mind. And it makes perfect sense, right? Because it's what you said is that we're likely setting up for a scenario where there's three SEC teams on the two line, uh, Tennessee, Auburn, and Kentucky. And so if if that were to happen, I mean, you know, you could just move Auburn instead of Kentucky. You could just put Auburn, you know, Kentucky where Auburn is or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I could see. Go go ahead. You could put
0: Purdue on the two line if you really felt inclined, even though they lost today. Like that, that could be an option for them if that's the bracket that you wanted to set up.
3: No, a thousand percent. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't really thought about it, but I, I do, there's definitely something to there being uh, marquee windows and, and brackets that I remember one year, the year Lonzo was at UCLA, they got sent to the South where they had to play Kentucky in the the East, uh, in, the, in the Sweet 16 and then North Carolina in the Elite uh, Elite 8, Kentucky played them, but uh, I hadn't really thought about it. I do think that they are going to try to set it up where,
0: as you said, every Coach K game matters, uh, all that stuff. So. A good flip-flop, as you said. The Kentucky could be the two Duke could be the three sure but I think that they would be in Chicago and the reason that I I thought Purdue maybe had an opportunity but West Lafayette is very close to Chicago and I Mm -hmm. think that you would give them uh, maybe a bit more of an advantage in that region than they deserve yeah so I don't think that you would see Purdue in that spot but I do think that with the with the types of teams that you see depending on who else are going to be the three seeds I think you're going to see a stacked Midwest region, and I think that they're going to want Duke, Kentucky, in the Sweet 16. And then if and then if if chalk holds, you'd have that matchup with Kansas in the Elite Eight. That's how I think they handle it. I think they're going to make it must-see TV. I think you're going to hear Calipari complaining about it. <laughs> I think you're going to hear Bill Self complaining about it. That's what I think the committee will do when they release the brackets here in about 20 minutes or so.
3: Well, and I will say there's something to be said about it just – resonates differently if uh you know if fill in the blank I'm just trying to think of who could be a, a 3 seed a, you know Villanova I know has a nice brand that they've sure. slowly built over time but uh, you know uh, Texas Tech like, like Texas Tech and Duke in the sweet 16 does not feel the same as Duke versus Kentucky in the sweet 16 uh Duke versus Baylor in the elite in the elite eight and I know Baylor just won a national championship but Duke versus Baylor does not feel the same as Duke versus Kansas so I I you know I hadn't given it much consideration <laughs> (laughs) as far as where or how it breaks
0: down, that actually lays out pretty pretty on point. And, And if you would look back in previous tournaments, it's not every single year, but it is more often than not that there is one marquee region. And when you have multiple brand names in that region, and I think that's what you're going to get, with the Midwest region. Again, we'll find out in 20 minutes. We'll be revealing the brackets uh, as they come out, so you will not want to change your dial. And if you have to get out of the car and can't listen on your local station, you can always go, use the iHeartRadio app, or log on to foxsportsradio.com, and we will have it for you. Iowa Big Ten tournament champs, Houston tournament champs in the American Conference. The games are done. Now it's time to figure out a bracket. Who's in? Who's in? Who's out? Whose life on the bubble is about to end in about 20 minutes or so? We'll tell you next. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Bayer. That's here on Fox Sports Sunday
2: Special Edition. Mike check. Hey. 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 Mike check. If hey. you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game, what's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real...
5: And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers,
2: elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things Hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To so make your next move your best move and tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever you get your podcast from. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Fox Sports Radio, he's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. Welcome into our Fox Sports Sunday special edition. As the brackets are set to be released coming up just after the top of the hour. Again, CBS, the one that's going to reveal them. We will let you know what we see on our screens as the field of 68 is revealed. Get Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. I'll give you my predictions on how I think the top two seed lines will look and including a seed uh, three seed, which I kind of revealed last segment. But if you're just tuning in, I'll give you that before we uh, wrap up the the pre-selection Sunday show. It's one of the unique things, and I know as a listener, you're not listening maybe to the entire three-hour show. For as much as I would love you to, we are Aaron – this is a scenario where we're doing almost a pregame show, doing the actual game, and then a post-game show all in one time. It's just it's a crazy, crazy fun day. It's one of the most fun days in all of sports, and I couldn't be more excited about it. This is, I
3: mean, this I mean It's it, like Christmas. It is. And it's funny because I even heard during one of the Big Ten broadcasts yesterday, Jim Nance say that it's one of his favorite moments of the year when the brackets come out. And it's just What I like about it is it brings everybody together, right? You don't have to be – like the NFL playoff bracket comes out. um, You know, if you're from Des Moines, Iowa, I don't know that you have – and I didn't even say that because we're with Sam here. But, you know, you don't don't have like, oh, the Bengals are in. I'm so happy. But with this tournament – you either went to the school, you rooted for the school, there's a school nearby, your parents went to the school, you have a brother who went to the school, and so it's just cool, like I was even thinking last night, when when the, the, the championship games were going on, you think about a small school like St. Peter's clinching a tournament bid at the same time as Arizona, at the same time as New Mexico mm-hmm. State, at the same time as Cal State Florida, it's just cool how it really does bring the whole country together.
0: There's also the other side of it, is the teams that don't get into the NCAA tournament that are sitting on the bubble. Yep. There are a bunch of schools, and and listen, bracketology is awesome. It isn't a science for as much as people. It is a guess. That is what it is. You try to take the data from, from previous years, maybe apply it. But there, there's one thing about getting the right number of teams in, and you'll see bracketologists brag that they got all 68 or they got 67 of the 68. Put it this way, 47 of, 47 of them are givens. They are, they are already given. You are, you, you are then deciding on how you do in the other 20 or so. And really, Aaron, it's about 5 or 10. So you shouldn't be a bracketologist if you get 58 out of 68, as most bracketologists should at least get 64 out of the 68. That's what sure. it comes down to. And there are some bracketologists, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but some that look at Power 5 or Power 6 conferences a little bit more... Uh, differently let's just say uh, mid-majors or other uh, lower conferences where they will get the benefit of the doubt to the power six teams and I, I, I don't know if that's because of a bias or if that's because that's how they feel that other fields have been unveiled before but the bubble is very intriguing you've got a team like Michigan who's 17 and 14 that hasn't done a lot Michigan's longest winning streak this year was three wow Like that's and this is the team that is sitting there on the bubble. Well, then you have a team like SMU that's sitting there on the bubble as well, twenty three and eight. They played three games all season against ranked opponents. So these are the stuff that you're balancing, and I know it's, again, so it's not an exact science, it's a guess, but that's what these uh, bracketologists are, are guessing at when you're trying to determine, all right, is SMU getting in? Is Michigan getting in? Is Wake Forest from the ACC getting in? These are the sort of things that they're trying to guess, and sometimes those bracketologists weigh heavily towards the power conferences.
3: Well, and it's something that I've noticed, too, because, you know, I love college hoops. I don't claim to be a bracketologist. It's it's just a different world than just watching the sport itself. But over the last three, four, five days, as I've really started to get into the numbers, what I would say is the bracketology stuff that we see on TV – does not jive with the numbers that we see on a piece of paper. I won't bore people with too much, but just as an example, Notre Dame appears to be very comfortably in. Uh they have a total of four quad 1 and quad 2 wins, which are the top two basically the best wins that you sure. can have. Uh Wyoming, for example, that's right on the cut line kind of on the outside for most they have nine quad one win quad one and quad two wins, so double. No brainer. Then, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And so uh, that's just an example. Um, but you know, what I'll be interested in is exactly what we kind of talked about throughout this this hour is. How much is just weighed? What is on a piece of paper over the totality of the season versus how a team is clearly playing now is another example. Xavier has been terrible down the stretch, but if you really look at their numbers from beginning to end, they are probably a team that is worthy of one of the
0: final at-large spots. You want to hear my my predictions on what we're going to find out for real within the next uh, 70 minutes yes, or so? Yes, I'm all ears. All right, this is I think that Gonzaga is going to be the number 1 overall seed. Can we get some music, Sam? They'll be, they'll, it's they'll, tense. They'll, that's our, hey, he's celebrating the Iowa wins. <laughs> so if, if 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 you can't, that's okay. Gonzaga, number one overall seed. They'll be in the West region. I think that in the South region, in San Antonio, Arizona ends up getting that number one seed. So if Arizona is able to advance, they'll be the number one seed there. In the Midwest, The Chica- uh, Chicago is the home of the regional. Kansas, I think, will be the number one seed there. And then in the East in Philadelphia, I think Baylor will get the number one seed. I think Baylor ends up getting that spot as the top seed in the East region, that final number one seed. I actually think that Auburn is going to be shipped out West, so it'll be 1-2 with Gonzaga and Auburn. I told you what I think is going to happen in Chicago. I think Kansas, Duke, and Kentucky are going to be in the same region. I'll put Kentucky at 2 and Duke at 3. Actually, no, I'm going to switch that. I'm going to put Duke at 2, Kentucky at 3, Aaron. I think they're all going to be in the Midwest region. I actually think Tennessee will be the two seed in the South. And that leaves in Philadelphia. Texas Tech was the team that, you know, we'd talked about, made it to the uh, championship game last night against Kansas. However, I'm going to give that nod to Purdue because you can't have Baylor. You don't want two Big 12 teams in the same bracket meeting in the Elite Eight as a one and two. So I'm going to give Purdue a two seed. I didn't think that I would, but I'm going to end up giving Purdue a two. So I like Gonzaga and Auburn, the top two seeds in the West. Arizona and Tennessee, the top two seeds in the South and the Midwest. Kansas, then take Duke and Kentucky. Uh, Duke, the two seed. Kentucky, the three seed. And in the East, Baylor and Purdue.
3: Very interesting. I mean, the thing that stands out to me, so the South would be Arizona as the one and Tennessee at the two. Yes, is that, correct? that is correct. Those are like two of the hottest teams that everybody's going to love. Also, you mentioned Kansas. Duke would make for a fascinating uh, Midwest regional as well.
0: I think that Midwest region is going to be loaded. Who's in the Midwest? Who's in the South? Who's in the East? And who's in the West? We will tell you as the brackets are revealed just after the top of the hour. Keep it locked here on Fox Sports Radio. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer. Our Selection Sunday special edition of Fox Sports Sunday rolls on here on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
0: Brackets are about to be revealed here. You will hear it on Fox Sports Radio. He is Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. Welcome in. Get Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. Today's show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. So the brackets are about to be revealed. And once they are revealed on CBS, we will start to let you know what the matchups are going to be. We expect it to come fast. We expect it to be in a furious manner. The field of 68 about to be unveiled. Aaron Torres, let's get it going. Gonzaga ends up being a number one seed. Absolutely no surprise there as the Bulldogs I think the overall number one seed in the NCAA tournament was expected. Gonzaga getting a number one seed and the number one overall seed in the field of 68. zero zero surprise there zero surprise there they end up being the top seed in the west region they will play Thursday in Portland Oregon against the Georgia State Panthers so Georgia State gets a 16 seed these games are Thursday Saturday in Portland so Gonzaga number one in the west taking on Portland State also in Portland an 8-9 matchup Boise State fans aren't going to have to travel too far. They will play in Portland on Thursday as the eight seed. So Boise State, winner of the Mountain West Conference Tournament, will get the Memphis Tigers, the ninth oh, seed, in goodness. a Thursday matchup. Not to take anything away from a... Boise State win, but can you imagine a Gonzaga-Memphis second-round game? That would be something else. Uh-oh, Aaron Torres' alma mater, the UConn Huskies, are a five-seed. UConn Nation playing in Buffalo, New York on Thursday and Saturday. UConn getting the five-seed. They will take on the New Mexico State Aggies. New Mexico State getting in, winning the uh, WAC. Championship, New Mexico State, your 12 seed, taking on UConn on Thursday. The 4 seed in that region, the Arkansas Razorbacks going to Buffalo, Arkansas, out of the SEC, is your 4 seed. The Razorbacks will end up taking on the Vermont Catamounts, the 13 seed who won America East in easy fashion. They won by 40 yesterday. Vermont is your 13 seed. Playing in Buffalo. So not too, not that far of a drive if you were a big Catamount fan to go and check out those games. Vermont, the 13 seed. Now staying in the West region, Friday games in San Diego, Alabama. Your sixth seed will take on the winner of the play-in game between Rutgers and Notre Dame. That will take place on Wednesday in Dayton, Ohio. Rutgers and Notre Dame in that 6-11 matchup. So the winner... We'll end up getting Alabama on Friday in San Diego. Also in San Diego on Friday, three seed. What UCLA got to be here, right? You'd have to think so. Let's, I mean, backyard West Coast team. Steve Hartman was, yeah, you know, sending those those thoughts to the uh, to the basketball gods. Mm-hmm. You'd have to think that that would be the case. We are waiting as Rutgers and Notre Dame are just finding out that they're playing in the play-in game. But this is a Friday matchup. Texas Tech actually ends up getting a three-seed oh in the West region. Goodness. So Texas Tech moves out West where they will face Montana State on Friday. Again, Friday-Sunday games in San Diego. Montana State ends up being the 14-seed. Yeah, we're already one region in, about to wrap up our first region. Michigan State, the seven-seed in the West region. They'll play in Greenville, South Carolina on Friday and Sunday. Tom and the Spartans, the seven-seed will end up facing, drumroll please, the Davidson Wildcats, who just lost in the Atlantic 10 championship game. Davidson won't have far to go as they take on Michigan State. Again, that's Friday, Sunday uh, in this region. Duke ends up being the two seed in the West. My theory is out the window, Aaron Torres. Oh, my
3: goodness. The two seed out West.
0: Not only that, Duke did not get the ability to go and play in Chicago. So if Duke ends up making a run, they'll have to end up be playing the regional in San Francisco. Duke is the number two seed in the West region. They will play Friday, though, in Greenville, South Carolina. The Blue Devils will be taking on Cal State Fullerton. Wow. The Titans, winners of the Big West. There is your first region-filled Gonzaga, the one, Duke, the two, Texas Tech, the three, Arkansas, the four, UConn, the five, the top five-seeded teams, Aaron Torres in that west region.
3: I mean, I have a million thoughts on this region. A couple things that stand out. One, uh, Boise is coached by longtime Gonzaga assistant Leon Rice. They could face Gonzaga in the second round. Uh, UConn, Arkansas, uh, an incredible potential second round matchup. UConn, by the way, four of their five uh, final four appearances, they have come through the West region. UConn fans love the West for what it's worth. Um, also, very interesting, Rutgers and Notre Dame in the play-in game for an 11 seed, uh, most believed that Rutgers did not do enough to get into the NCAA tournament. That probably leads me to believe that Michigan or Iowa, I would not feel, or, uh, Iowa. I'm sorry, Iowa, Sam, Michigan or Indiana, I would not feel great if I was both of those teams to assume that they
0: both get in as well. I am I, I am a bit surprised. Now, there's there's an opportunity, the, the San Diego region region, uh, the San Diego first and second round sites, excuse me, uh, could host a variety of uh, first round games, but you've got Texas Tech taking up one of the spots in San Diego, thought maybe a UCLA could have that opportunity to do so, Uh, quite frankly, could have been an Arizona team that we think uh, would be getting a top seed, but when the two regions out west are Portland, or the two sites out west that are first round sites are Portland and San Diego, Aaron, Wondering where, you know, that UCLA team that we have. Just surprised that Texas Tech got put into that spot. Uh, in playing their first and second round games, it's not like Lubbock is close to San Diego.
3: No, that's the other thing that kind of stands out too. Duke being a number two seed, I thought for sure they would be a three. Uh, probably a bad sign for the Tennessee Vols, who we talked about won the SEC tournament title today. Um, I think that probably means that they end up on the
0: seed line, or, uh, on the three seed line, or maybe it means Auburn
3: potentially ends up there. As this well.
0: is the other great thing about these brackets: is these awesome things happen. And then we could just forget about what we said 20 minutes ago. Sure. I said Duke, Kansas, and Kentucky were going to be in the same region. I thought they were going to give us the load there. Uh, they did not. It is Fox Sports Radio, our Fox Sports Sunday special. What we're going to do, CBS is taking a timeout. We're going to do so as well. A quarter of the bracket has been revealed We've got, geez, doing my simple uh, quick math here, 68 minus 16. What, 52 teams still left to go in the bracket? They will be revealed in the very near future. Hiring Heating Up, Indeed's hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all in one place. Sponsor a post and instantly receive a short list of quality candidates on Indeed whose resumes match your job description. Visit Indeed.com credit. We're going to take a timeout. We'll be back with more of The Bracket being revealed. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. This is your Fox Sports Sunday Special Edition on Selection Sunday.
2: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is.
0: Fox Sports Sunday special edition, the bracket of sixty-eight being revealed. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Bayer. Here is the South Region, your number one seed playing games in San Diego on Friday and for the winner on Sunday Arizona will take on the winner of the Wright State Bryant game that is a one. That is a battle of the 16 seeds in the first four in Dayton, that first four game will take place on Wednesday, Wright State taking on Bryant, the 8-9 matchup in that South region that will play in San Diego on Friday is Seton Hall against TCU then Friday in Pittsburgh 5th seed in the South region is Houston, they've got 12th seed UAB, while Illinois out of the Big Ten is your four seed in the South, they will take on Chattanooga in their first-round game Friday. In Pittsburgh, bottom half of the South bracket. Again, Arizona's the number one seed. They are actually the second seed overall. Gonzaga, if you missed it earlier, the number one overall seed. But Arizona, the complete opposite side of the bracket, is the number one seed in the South. The number two seed in the South is Villanova. They will take on Delaware in a first-round game Friday in Pittsburgh. The winner of that matchup will face the winner of the Ohio State-Loyola-Chicago matchup in a 7-10 game in the Steel City. Thursday in Indianapolis, third seed Tennessee in the South region. will take on the Longwood Lancers. And then the bubble survived for one team in this 6-11 matchup. Thursday in Indianapolis, Colorado State is the sixth seed. Michigan is in the NCAA tournament. The Wolverines get in. Not only do they get in, Aaron, they don't have to play first four game. Rutgers, who got in, In the previous reveal of the West region from the Big Ten, they will have to play in the first four on Friday in Dayton, but Michigan gets in. They will take on Colorado State on Thursday in Indianapolis. I mean, there's a lot to peel back there. Um, first of all,
3: uh, you know, Tennessee being a three seed is mind boggling to me, and it speaks to something that we spoke about in our one, which is that it's unfortunate, but these teams that are forced to play championship games on Sunday, there's no benefit. Um, you don't get rewarded for winning a championship the way that you should, the way that you would if your championship game was played on Sunday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you can't tell me that Tennessee is worthy of a three-seed. I think they're more of a one-seed resume than a three-seed resume. What I'll also say is it sets up a fascinating Sweet 16 matchup potentially between Villanova and Tennessee. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but those were some of the big takeaways for me from that one. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, you a know, potential Sweet 16 matchup, Illinois and Arizona would be awesome. They played earlier this year in an iconic
0: game. Uh, fun, fun bracket overall, but I'm disappointed in the committee. Were behind. you surprised... I mean if Tennessee was the 2 and Villanova's the 3 are you cool with it?
3: I uh, to be blunt no, I mean I think Duke should have been a 3 seed to be honest. Okay. I mean you you look at the ACC was so bad this year Duke did not. Duke had some really bad losses, Dan. I mean, you know, multiple teams that will not or, di- or will not make the tournament since the bracket is not out official yet. Multiple home losses. Where you look at a Tennessee team, every Tennessee loss is good. I don't. They didn't lose at home at all this year. Uh, I, I don't think Duke did had anything on their resume that would. Well, Gonzaga. I take that back. Gonzaga yeah. and Kentucky too. They. It's not that they didn't have anything. I, I don't think they had a resume worthy of a two seed here right now.
0: That was the South region, and again, if you missed it, the West region, while we've got a little time, can let you know as CBS right now doing their own business, but half of the field has been revealed. This was the West region earlier. Gonzaga, the number one seed, will take on Georgia State, the 16th seed in the West. That's Thursday in Portland. Also in Portland on Thursday, Boise State takes on Memphis in an 8-9 matchup. Thursday in Buffalo, UConn against New Mexico State, and Arkansas Uh, taking on Vermont Friday in San Diego as well. Alabama, the 11th seed, gets the winner of that Rutgers-Notre Dame game. Texas Tech will take on Montana State Friday in San Diego. Michigan State against Davidson Friday in Greenville, South Carolina. And you mentioned Duke getting that two seed in the West. The lowest two seed, as it appears, is they are in Gonzaga's region, but still a two, taking on Cal State Fullerton Friday in Greenville, South Carolina.
3: Really quickly, I would say it does set up a potential elite eight matchup uh, duke gonzaga was one of the highest rated regular season games of the year so maybe to your point that does
0: set up a, a potential uh exciting game i don't seasons. even like i don't like the rematch portion of it I, I, I mean you know there's there's ways that you can work around it all right let's get back into the brackets as they are being released we told you a little over an hour ago it wasn't a surprise but we felt that the top three seeds in this tournament were pretty much set gonzaga Arizona, we believed. We also felt Kansas, and that is the case. Kansas is the number one seed in the Midwest for Final Four purposes. The winner of the South Region will be taking on the winner of the Midwest Region. These games are Thursday in Fort Worth, Texas, as Kansas is the number one seed taking on the winner of the Texas Southern Texas A&M Corpus Christi playing game that will be Tuesday in Dayton, Ohio. So a lot of Texas in that first matchup. Texas Southern against Texas A&M Corpus Christi for the right to play Kansas in Fort Worth, Texas. San Diego State is the eighth seed in that matchup in the Midwest region, playing on Thursday again in Fort Worth, Texas. San Diego State takes on Creighton, who almost had a Cinderella run to the Big East tournament title, falling short to Villanova yesterday in the 5-12 matchup. Iowa, a five-seed Thursday in Buffalo, New York. So, Iowa, fresh off of their tournament victory. Do you want to say it or should I say it, Aaron Torres? The tournament victory for Iowa meant nothing in beating Purdue. They are a five-seed in this bracket in Buffalo on Thursday. So, not only does Iowa... Go on this run. They now have to play Thursday, and they'll do so against the team that played earlier today. Richmond is into the tournament by winning the A-10. They are the 12 seed. That's who Iowa will get in the Midwest region. And then the 4-13 matchup in Buffalo on Thursday will feature the Providence Friars, who we expect to play a close game no matter who they end up (laughs) playing in this 13 seed. Providence going to be playing in Buffalo on Thursday. The Friars will be taking on the 13-seated, drum roll please, South Dakota State Jackrabbits. South Dakota State, winner of the Summit League, getting the automatic bid. South Dakota State is in. By the way, that bracket has two SDSUs. That's got to be a record. That top half of the bracket, 25% of that top half of the bracket consists of SDSUs. Friday in Milwaukee. Fiserv Forum, LSU. Without a head coach. <laughs> is the sixth seed. They will be taking on... We've got one 11 playing matchup. Uh, Iowa State gets in. Iowa State, nice little drive over from Ames, you know, across Dubuque, head on over to Milwaukee. Uh, get, uh, get yourself to Fiserv Forum. Iowa State is the eleven seed. Wisconsin playing close to home, 90 minutes away in Madison. Short drive over, depending on how busy the interstate is, it's usually pretty good. Wisconsin, the three seed, will be taking on Friday the 14th seeded squad from a 24 and seven Wisconsin team. By the way, that lost in the quarterfinals of the Big Ten tournament. Wisconsin will face Colgate. Colgate is a dangerous team. They almost pulled off an upset last year. Now they'll have to go into Wisconsin's backyard and try to knock off the Badgers if they want to have a Cinderella story. Those games, again, Friday in Milwaukee. Now, Friday in Greenville, South Carolina, 7-10 matchup, has USC, University of Southern California, South Carolina Gamecocks aren't going to the tournament, but USC will be playing in Greenville, South Carolina on Friday as the 7th seed And the Trojans will be facing the 10th seeded Miami Hurricanes. So, Miami, hey, great game in college football in the early 2000s. (laughs) We get it in the 7 10 matchup in the Midwest region and the other 215 game in Greenville, South Carolina. It's Auburn. It is Auburn. There it is. Aaron Torres with his Crystal Ball sees Bruce Pearl and the uh, Auburn Tigers getting the two seed. In the Midwest region, and the 15-seeded opponent for the second seed, Auburn Tigers, will be again. these games Friday at Greenville, South Carolina. Auburn will be taking on Jacksonville State, who, again, if you missed this, didn't win their conference tournament. Bellerman did. But because Bellerman is new to the A-Sun and is making their transition to Division I, We're ineligible to make it, so Jacksonville State, who won the regular season crown, ends up getting the automatic bid. So Jacksonville State is in the tournament and gets Auburn in the first round.
3: I'm telling you, man. uh, You know, a couple things are standing out. Uh, First of all, uh, you know, the bubble. We're starting to get a clearer picture of who might not be in. If you're Xavier. If you're Wyoming, you're starting to sweat a little bit. If you're SMU, you're starting to sweat a little bit. Uh, Indiana is not in yet. Everybody seemed to believe they were comfortably in after beating Illinois. I am not sold on that. So that's what stands out in that one. Uh, the other one, you know, uh, a couple things really is that that you know it, this half of the bracket, this portion of the bracket, LSU without a head coach, but they have talent. Tari Eason is a potential lottery pick in this year's NBA draft, going up and against another potential lottery pick in Wisconsin, uh, USC Miami, as you said. uh, an interesting football matchup maybe even more so than basketball and Auburn you know struggle 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 down the stretch but a very manageable draw into the sweet 16.
0: The reason why I like Indiana's chances of appearing in this final region the east region has not been revealed is we've had seven Big Ten schools being unveiled three of which in one region you usually try to separate them so teams aren't playing. Now in this day and age of super conferences, you have uh, more situations where if you have 10 schools, they're going to face off earlier. We've already had a region where we've had three Big Ten schools. I just feel that they had to do that because they got nine Big Ten schools in. So I think that's – Indiana fans, I I think you're still okay. However, not every spot of these Final 16 – are going to be available to you. Obviously, you won't be the 16. You won't be the 15. You're not going to be the one or two. So there's about six spots left for an Indiana squad, uh, along with those other teams that you mentioned that are sitting on the bubble that are crossing their fingers. They're taking a timeout to reveal the bracket. We will not take a timeout. Instead, we're going to go to the news desk with the one and only Ralph Irvin, who is hanging out with us. He got a little golf still going on and waiting for the final region of the bracket to be released here on Fox Sports Radio. Well, you guys have been covering the bracket, so we don't need to worry about that side
5: of the ledger. But we do have a game going on in the NBA. Philadelphia playing at Orlando, 3 3 to play in the first quarter. And believe it or not, this game is tied at 22 apiece. The Sixers being led by Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid. No surprise, they each have seven points. Nine points, though, for Jalen Suggs. He's thinking about March Madness, maybe. Uh, Ten points uh, now for Jalen Suggs. Eight points also for Wendell Carter Jr. as they are playing late in the first quarter. Earlier in the day, Spencer Dinwiddie, game-winning three-point field goal, lifted Dallas to a 95-92 win over Boston. The Mavericks have won seven of their last eight games. Kevin Durant, 53 points. Brooklyn beats the Knicks, 110-107. The Clippers come back, beat Detroit, 106 102 At the Players' Championship, they are in the third round. Everybody on the course for the third round of play. Sam Burns and Tom Hoagie are your leaders at eight under par. Actually, Harold Varner Jr. has joined them at eight under par. All have played through the fourth hole. Brendan Steele sitting at seven under par, as is Anurban Lahiri. Steele through nine holes, Lahiri through seven. Paul Casey also at seven under par through six holes. But now let's send it back to Selection Sunday. Oh, man. It's Dan Beyer and it's Aaron Torres.
0: Thanks so much, Ralph. It is Selection Sunday, a very special Fox Sports Sunday special edition show for you. We are in the process of the bracket being revealed. Want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, your home for live sports, and that means all sports. Every game, match, race, and competition, it is always on. Now go on and plan your trip at visitlasvegas.com to see the best and brightest in Vegas the greatest arena on earth. The debate that you and I had before the show was on who was going to get that final number one seed. I thought it was down to Baylor and Tennessee with Purdue having an outside chance on it. We've already seen Tennessee be revealed as an actual three seed. We have not seen Purdue yet, who just lost to Iowa, and we have not seen Baylor. I expect us to see Baylor very, very soon. To me, they're the no-brainer in the final region, the East region, which, by the way, in the final four, this will face off against the West region with Gonzaga the top seed there. Baylor is your number one seed in the East region, kind of like we expected but Baylor does get that final number one seed. They'll be playing their first-round games, I assume, in Fort Worth. Yes, it is in Fort Worth on Thursday and Saturday if they advance to the second round. Baylor will be taking on – this is not a playing game. Those are already taken up with the 16 seeds. Norfolk State, Norfolk State is the 16 seed. So the Spartans punch their ticket uh, with an automatic bid, and now they get the top-seeded Baylor Bears – in Fort Worth coming up on Thursday. That's a 116 matchup also in Fort Worth on Thursday, 8-9 matchup North Carolina could you see do you think North Carolina, Indiana here? Do you could you, you hope, see it?
3: for Indiana's sake? I hope so, because I believe they should be in, but that'd be, be a great This is in that one show.
0: of the spots. It could be North Carolina. They are the eighth seed. Who will they face? Is the ninth seed? Marquette. That's... Interesting. Battle of the baby blue. More known with North Carolina, but Marquette likes to take some claim to it as well. Marquette goes into Fort Worth we will take on the North Carolina Tar Heels on Thursday. The 5 seed in the East region is St. Mary's. They will be playing Thursday in Portland, Oregon. St. Mary's the 12, 5 seed. This, is a, this could be a play-in matchup right here if it's not an automatic bid considering we have just one oh. of the... It is. It is a play-in matchup. Wyoming will take on Indiana in the first four matchup. That is on Tuesday. The winner will get St. Mary's Indiana is in the tournament, but playing in the play-in, excuse me, the first four. My bad, NCAA. The winner gets to face St. Mary's in Portland <laughs> on Thursday. Is Mark Emmerich going to call you on that one there? He may have other things to worry about. (laughs) He definitely has other things to worry about. He may still call you, though. Uh, That's, again, 5-12 matchup. Wyoming and Indiana will play on Tuesday. The winner gets St. Mary's on Thursday in Portland. There's going to be some travel with that as well.
3: Yeah, Xavier. This probably means that Xavier is officially out. Uh, Really not much much wiggle room to get them in.
0: Yeah, SMU's uh, probably a little sad as well. UCLA will play Thursday in Portland as the four-seed so the Bruins get in as a four-seed. They'll have to travel a little bit more. They got Akron. Akron moves on with the automatic bid out of the MAC. So Akron, the 13-seed facing UCLA coming up on Thursday. Friday in Milwaukee, Texas is the six-seed. Texas will be playing in Milwaukee. This isn't a play situation, but this is where you could get an at-large Virginia Tech, not an at-large automatic bid. So, Virginia Tech, the 11th seed. A lot of orange in that game. A lot of, like, burnt orange in that game.
3: Yes. Another good football game from, like, 2004. (laughs) Vince (laughs) Young versus uh, Marcus Vick. Uh, How about that, baby?
0: uh, Friday in Milwaukee, 314 game. This is where Purdue ends up landing. So, Purdue is the three-seed. Boilermakers just making the trek up from West Lafayette. They'll face... a 14-seed squad again. That's Friday in Milwaukee. Purdue will be taking on an automatic bid school courtesy of the Uh-oh. Ivy League. Yale. Yale is your 14-seed. So we have four spots left. Purdue is the three-seed playing in Milwaukee against Yale on Friday. The last bracket Thursday in Indianapolis. Now Murray State is your seven-seed the Murray State Racers getting the automatic bid. They were going to get in the tournament anyway. But Murray State now the 7th seed with a record of 30-2 will be the 7th seed in Indianapolis taking on the ten seed. What yeah. do we got here? Trying to think who's left. Yeah, there, there's. It's. I don't think it's going to be SMU. San Francisco, the Dons. They, they. You thought San Francisco was probably going to be in anyway. They get one of the at-large bids. So the bubble is burst. If your team is not named, if you're Xavier, if you are SMU. Texas if, A&M, by the way, oh, into the title game today. Wake Forest on the wrong side of the bubble, not making the NCAA tournament. The final matchup of the field of 68 in the East region, playing their first and second round games Thursday in Indianapolis, will be those Kentucky Wildcats. And they will be taking on an at-large bid there's trying to guess. I know, like last year, I remembered yeah. Iona was the last one that was finally in. But Kentucky will play Thursday in Indianapolis, filling up what was formerly known as Conseco Fieldhouse and Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Now I think it's a completely other name as as well. But Thursday in Indianapolis, Kentucky will take on St. Peter's. St. Peter's, the winner of the uh, Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, St. Peter's the two-seed in that conference tournament. Now the 15-seed in the East. Your field of sixty-eight, Aaron Torres is set.
3: Yeah, the the obvious losers on the bubble, Xavier. Uh, they did have an impressive overall resume, but really, really struggled down the stretch. Lost their Big East tournament opener in the opening round to Butler, so they are going to be out. Texas A and M, the exact opposite, played their best basketball over these final few weeks. Did not get the automatic bid today in the SEC. I know in Aggieland there were a lot of people that thought they had done enough. I wasn't sold necessarily. It appears as though the committee agreed. Uh, SMU, another school that you've mentioned a few times. Uh, Wake Forest too. Wake Forest was one, um, you know, great all season long, but really struggled down the stretch. Lost their NCA or their ACC tournament opener, excuse me, and they will be sitting at home this year for the NCA. Big tournament.
0: Ten ended up getting nine bids. Big East, Big Twelve, and the SEC get six. The ACC, despite being as weak as it was, still got five schools in. And the teams that we were talking about on the wrong side of the bubble. If there is a covid situation or something happens, they are naming replacement teams. Dayton is the first replacement team, then Oklahoma, SMU, and Texas A&M. So Wake Forest didn't even get into the replacement squad. I don't even know if that's even good to do anymore. I guess you want to be transparent as much as you can. Actually, you know what? I'm going to take that back, Aaron. I'm glad that they did that because that's what we always wanted to know. Sure. We wanted to know who was number 69 and who was number 70. And now we found out who. So if you want to make your argument, you're making your argument, is Wyoming, do they have a better resume than Dayton? Does Rutgers have a better resume than Dayton? Does Notre Dame have a better resume than Dayton? Does Indiana have a better resume than Dayton? Because those four teams all got in while Dayton is on the outside looking in. I, I just... I, I understand that the first four, when you play the first four, Aaron, I do think that the committee has to look at it and say, as much as we want to be fair, we also would like some eyes on this game. Sure. Well, if you remember last year, Michigan State versus UCLA yeah.
3: it was, was one game, and uh, I think that was our, myself, you, and George were all working that day, and I think that was our immediate reaction. Um, so I got to be honest. I, I have more gripe with the top of the bracket with Duke being a 2C, Tennessee being a 3 I think they did a pretty good job with the bubble teams. I really do. You feel bad for Texas A&M, but you start to pick apart that resume. They had a couple really bad losses in the middle of the year. How about Xavier, by the way? I think everybody kind of felt like they were right on that cut line, not even in the first four out. And as you said earlier, and I think it's an important note, um, it's an important note that you uh, we no longer use the last 10 as a metric. It seems like the committee cared about how they were playing down the stretch, though. Mm-hmm. They are not in. They are not even in the first four out fascinating to me that that considering their metrics that that they were where they were
0: I didn't hear one person make a case for Xavier getting in over these last five days well
3: I do think it's because two things there and uh, I think one it's out of sight out of mind and then two I do think there's a misconception and it's proven by Texas A&M it's proven by some other schools proven frankly by Tennessee being a three seed the it's the it's supposed to be the totality of the the resume not the not how are you playing recently right and so texas a&m having three great days in t- and tampa doesn't override the fact that when you look at some of, that they didn't play a great out of conference schedule that they lost eight straight at one point that they lost to missouri who finished at uh finished at 12 and 21 overall i mean texas a&m is not not in the tournament. Because uh, anything they did in Tampa, it's because of everything that led up to their time in Tampa, which included a loss to Missouri, a loss to uh, a loss to uh, uh, South Carolina as well at home. Both those losses were at home. So with Xavier, if you look at the totality of their resume, there is an argument to be made. You're not supposed to look at what they've done recently. I don't know how the committee... Uh, Could not look at what they did recently, though really struggling, including a loss to Butler in their opening round of their Big East tournament.
0: There are a couple of things that that stand out to me, both good and bad, to Aaron's case. But I'll I'll just make this point: today only mattered for Richmond. I don't think it mattered for Purdue. I don't think it mattered for Iowa. I don't think it mattered for Houston. I don't think it mattered for Memphis. Uh, it did matter for Yale. Uh, let, Yale as well. Let uh, but, me jump. Well, let
3: me jump in on that because I think you can actually argue it hurts. You brought up the point. Iowa now has to have a quick turnaround. They play Sunday afternoon. They got to go play Thursday against somebody that's going to be much more well rested than they are. And you know, Tennessee, it was to no advantage to them. Texas A&M, it was obviously to no advantage of them. Um, and so you go on and on down the list. I, I don't think there's any doubt. I think it's a great point by you. I think more teams were actually hurt playing on Sunday. Oh, by the way, Memphis has to go out fly west play in, portland and in a second round game potentially with gonzaga as well so it's a great point by you houston probably if you really look at their resume not deserving of a five seed but they get one so you start to peel back the layers i think it's a fascinating point by you i think
0: teams were more hurt by playing on sunday than they were helped he's aaron torres i'm dan Bayer. the field of 68 is set don't worry if you missed it We will recap it all. I'll even run it down. I'm going to do that. I'll run down the entire bracket for you. We're going to do that in 25 minutes or so. So we'll do it just after the top of the hour. If you miss the field of 68, if you're driving along, don't grab for your phones. Don't worry. We got you covered here on Fox Sports Radio. Get Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. I will prove a point on why the haves have it over the have-nots and why it's like that in this bracket or where you see it in this bracket. We'll explain next. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. That coming up here on Selection Sunday on our Fox Sports Sunday Special Edition.
2: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is...
0: Fox Sports Sunday. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer. A special edition as the field of 68 is revealed. So much going on, including the the games today that occurred. Uh, five of, five of them. Essentially, we have just rattled off the field of sixty eight, and they're looking at all the all the matchups. And Iowa is going to be a five seed. They won the Big Ten tournament, by the way. They get a five seed. They're a five seed in the Midwest region. They'll play in Buffalo uh, Thursday against Richmond. And uh, we were just talking about Iowa, and and now they got a quick turnaround after playing uh, in these uh, in these contests and and in their run through the. Big Ten tournament, and they had to play four days, too. They ended up uh, – they had to what beat Northwestern and then ended up stopping Rutgers and then Indiana and then Purdue today. Did I get. I got that correct, right, Iowa Sam? That, that is well correct. And then they got Richmond, who won earlier today. But Aaron said Iowa's going to have a quick turnaround because they're going to have to play on Thursday, so whoever the team they play will end up having to uh... be a quick turnaround. That's where this all came from. But, by the way, I, I'm wholeheartedly defending you – even with a rasp in my voice, as you could hear, see, I thought, because so uh, much is going on, and then Iowa Sam comes in and says, "What? A whole two hours of rest? You know, because you didn't have the Iowa Richmond matchup. Now, mind you, the only people who know that Iowa and Richmond are playing each other are Iowa fans and Richmond fans. Otherwise, that is moved to the side. But then, right on the heels of that. Ralph Irvin peeks his head in and says, uh, Iowa takes on Richmond, who played earlier today. So that's what the pouring on was, Aaron. I completely have your back 100% because we just tried to settle this entire field of 68, and it was was brought to us rapid fire via CBS. See, there
3: was definitely some confusion there because I thought Sam was going after you. The fact that he was going after me... uh... (laughs) <laughs> and I was right de- over my head. I was defending. I was not- trying to
0: defend you, Sam, because so, it's not a mistake. It's it wasn't a mistake at all. First, first of all, factually correct.
3: Richmond does have two hours
0: of rest, and anyone who's yes,
3: played high true. level sports in like your me, face, Sam. I I actually played in high school, and uh, you know, let me tell you, that two extra hours is going to be an Fighter. Maybe you played in high school too. I don't know, but yeah, I don't really care. I, I did. I got and so- the
0: time zone change. I mean, Richmond doesn't have to change time zones. I never thought does. about that. Yeah. Did you? In your face, I was. Oh, by Sam. the way, Richmond's playing indeed. See wow. today, Iowa
3: playing all the way in Indianapolis. I mean, how yeah. far? Fu- that what is that? Like an hour and a half. They have to flight? go
0: back to Iowa City and then now go back over to Buffalo. Advantage Richmond. There it is. There's a lot. You to know, f- Sam wins one conference championship. He thinks he runs <laughs> this know. place now. Jeez. Then <laughs> here comes Ralph in like he's Stone Cold Steve Austin with a chair to finish it off and. uh this, listen, if I if we gave them a quiz right now, they would. It, it, Sammy would go 0 for 5 Try me. Let's do right. it. All right. Easy as 1, 2, 3, right. 4. Yeah, let's do it. Who do, do you it. like in the 7-10 matchup Friday in Greenville, South Carolina? Oh, you're not even the, getting the me west. a team to, yeah, to come start on, No, off, no God, you didn't give go. Go. him a team. You <laughs> yeah. didn't give him a team. You got mad because he
3: didn't know they played Richmond. <sighs> Here's Man. a hint. They'll play Duke in the second round, potentially. That should be an uh, so. Is
1: Murray State one of the teams?
0: No, it is not. It is Michigan State against Davidson. By the way, Aaron, hold on. Can you just... Can you just hold yes, the I'll, for Yes, I'll, I'll vamp. I just, so just want
1: to
3: I'm you. still uh, – by the way, we had a Texas A&M fan very quickly check in, and he's 100% right on this. If there's a bigger uh, gripe for the bubble teams, Dan, I'm
0: talking to myself here as I vamp uh, on air. Thank you. Pre- I had to tell Sam that it was Michigan State against Davidson, just like he I'm did immediately when we, right. went, uh, we went to – which, which, by the way, Aaron – When the matchup was announced, I said Iowa will face Richmond, who also played earlier today. So it wasn't like we left Iowa out in the cold. It's just... Iowa Sam was so mad. I wasn't that his team mad. May have gotten some little no. bit of disrespect. No, yeah.
3: you guys are doing a great job. It, all this info is coming at you fast and loose. We all need like twenty-four hours to process our bracket. Process you know what teams made, not. Man. Seth
0: Davis. He'll give you his
3: elite eight, <laughs> and half the field isn't even released yet. You know what I will say. You know who needs time to process it is the committee because uh, I don't mean to continue on this rant, but Tennessee being a three seed uh, to the to the point that I made. Nothing mattered on on Sunday. By the way, all I really thought that I said was that nothing really mattered on Sunday, which I don't think that it really did, and why are we playing conference championship games? To me, here is my biggest gripe with how the bracket is put together. It should only be about the integrity of putting together the best, most balanced bracket possible. So if we got to push the selection show back an hour because, God forbid, the AAC championship game runs late but we can have the right bracket, then let's do that. But what also bothers me is all of this regionalization of we got to get this team here so they can be closer to home. It's like, if you play on Thursday, everybody flies out on the same day. If you play on Friday, everybody flies out on the same day, whether you're playing an hour from campus or whether you're playing eight hours from campus. So let's just put together the best bracket including why are we Here, playing
0: these conference championship games go ahead here's what bothers me if i were to tell you of these four schools in indianapolis on thursday who's going to have the largest fan base colorado state michigan tennessee or longwood who do you think is going to have the largest fan base well it's not longwood i can tell you no, that correct. no it is michigan yeah and proximity yeah i mean of of it's big 10 country as well so there's fans there it's not that tennessee isn't going to travel because they will travel. It's just the point of Michigan is an 11 seed. Not only were they 17 and 14 this year, they don't have to play in a first four game, and likely would have home f- home court advantage over Colorado State, and then whoever, if they were to win, the winner of the Tennessee Longwood game on Thursday. To me, those those are things as a committee. It yes. doesn't it doesn't ma- matter if Michigan is an 11 seed here or an 11 seed there. Like there's ways that you can move and move pieces. That, to me, is is a problem that you would have Michigan getting that sort of home court.
3: Well, let's just use an example really quick. There's a regional in Philadelphia that, because Villanova is not the host, could have technically played in. Yeah. But, the, but the committee said, you're a two-seed or a three-seed, you're a two-seed. We're not going to put you at an advantage over a one-seed. Why can't we just do that for the entire bracket?
0: Very, very good point, Aaron Torres. And again, Iowa will face Richmond in the 5-12 game. With and- two extra hours of rest, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Thursday in Buffalo. Times of these games not yet set. Uh, likely will later tonight. Get Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. That's where you can also vent on your frustrations if your team got left out or is in a bad spot in the bracket. Speaking of the bracket, we'll give you the whole field of 68 again. That's next here on Fox.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the Best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
0: You should not have a Final Four already set. I'm just saying that. The bracket's not even an hour old. You should not already have a Final Four and a national champion. Take some time with it. Soak it all in. It's what we want you to do here on Fox Sports Radio. Field of 68 is here. Aaron Torres is here. I'm Dan Byer. Ralph Fervin's at the news desk. He's here. Iowa Sam is here getting ready for Richmond in Iowa's first round game on Thursday. Ryan Bershinger is here. We are glad that you are here. If cold candidate calls aren't turning into hot hiring leads, then you need Indeed because Indeed's powerful hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all from one place. Find your next great hire visiting Indeed.com slash credit. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Bayer on Fox. You can find Aaron Torres on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. I will reveal the field of 68 that has been revealed. And if you're in the car, don't worry. I've got it for you in 120 seconds. But did you just get freezing cold taked by someone, Aaron? Did I? I don't yeah. know. I see it in my ma- I mean, I got freezing cold taked by Sam over there. That was but true. I don't, that I, was I don't know. that was true again. But this was on one of the bubble stories that we had talked about. And I'm not, listen. To be on freezing goal takes, you have to be someone. Uh, that, there's, that is an absolute point. But you like Texas AM and m getting into the tournament, their bubble ended up bursting.
3: I, I mean, I, I think if I'm – I need to see what take it was. All I said was they're playing elite basketball. I didn't say mm. they, they had punched a ticket. I don't think, but let me check. You know, I'm watching these games all day, and I'm just one of these people. I do use social media, just kind of spit out my thoughts in real time. And so if I got – uh. If I got freezing cold take, then so be it. This yeah. was
0: the tweet a day, a day ago, and, and I'm only bringing this up because this gives you the forum to defend yourself. A lot of times you don't get the opportunity to do that on Twitter, and then when you try to do it on Twitter, if you even want to, it doesn't come off as it should. They retweeted, you said oh, there's I nothing surprising about this run for AM. There was never a question on if Buzz would figure things out at AM just when the question now, What unlucky team is going to draw them as a 9-10-11 seed in their bracket? Aggies are rolling. Yeah, I missed that middle part. Yeah,
3: I, I gotta own it. I can't, you know, listen. I, I thought they were in. You know, it's one of those in the moment, right? Yeah. I mean, they beat Auburn and they beat Arkansas, two top 15 teams, top 16 teams according to the tournament. Arkansas is a four-seed, Auburn's a two. And back-to-back days, you get caught up in the moment. But, you know, the one thing I would say is, first of all, I do think there's a legitimate argument to be made. Uh, last segment, when you were when you were in there uh, giving Sam a noogie or whatever, and I had to vamp, I was referencing, we did have a Texas A&M fan reach out to me privately, and he said, look at Notre Dame's resume uh, and explain to me why they should be in over the Aggies. And so the point that I guess I'm getting to is I did get caught up in the moment. Um, they did have two wins over two of the top 16 teams in the country, according to the committee in two days, uh, and I'll own it. And I'll own it, and I would argue they have a better resume than some teams that got got put in. But I think you can argue that for about two or three teams, and there are probably two or three teams that I would have left out.
0: All right. Here is your field of 68. If you missed it, uh, if you're going to listen for your school's name and they're not there, don't blame me. I'm just the messenger. This is how it broke down the top four seeds. And then I'll go region by region. But the top four seeds earning the number one seeds in the West. Gonzaga was the number one seed in the South. Arizona got the number one seed. They are the second seed overall. Kansas was the top seed in the Midwest. Baylor is the number one seed in the East. Now, those are four of the 68 teams. I will need the band backing me up on this so it doesn't get too. Long and boring, but here's the field of 68 in the matchups. George, uh, Gonzaga will take on Georgia state Thursday in Portland in a first round game in the West region. The winner of that game will face the winner of the Boise state Memphis game also in Portland on Thursday, Thursday in Buffalo, Arkansas is the four seed in the West. They will take on 13 seed Vermont. Fifth seeded Yukon will go up against number 12, New Mexico state in Buffalo. Bottom half of the bracket in the West, Duke is the second seed. They will play Cal State Fullerton Friday in Greenville, South Carolina. The winner of the Duke-Cal State-Fullerton game will face the winner of the Michigan State-Davidson matchup, which is a 7-10 matchup. You just mentioned Notre Dame. They get the first four game on Wednesday in Dayton against Rutgers with Alabama awaiting the winner of that Rutgers-Notre Dame game. That 6-11 matchup then with Alabama against either Rutgers or Notre Dame would take place Friday in San Diego. Texas Tech gets the third seed in the West, against Montana State. Is my band gone? Is my band there? I know Sam is making out his bracket right now. I'm no, just kidding. That's alright. There it is. There they are. Alright, the South region mentioned Arizona was the top seed. They'll face the winner of the Right State Bryant play-in game. That will be the Wednesday 16 seed matchup in Dayton. Arizona will then face the winner of that game in San Diego on Friday. The other 8-9 matchup in the South or the 8-9 matchup in the South and the other game taking place in San Diego Friday has Seton Hall take Taking on TCU. Illinois is the fourth seed in the South. They face Chattanooga on Friday in Pittsburgh. Also Friday in Pittsburgh, fifth seed Houston faces UAB. Bottom half of the South bracket has Villanova as the two seed. They'll be in Pittsburgh on Friday, taking on Delaware. Winner of that game gets the winner of the 7-10 matchup with Ohio State taking on Loyola of Chicago. By the way, Ohio State's defense right now is so bad, Sister Jean could get 15 on oh, them if she wants fired. on Friday. Thursday in Indianapolis. Colorado State takes on number 11, Michigan. Michigan getting one of those final at-large bids. Tennessee is the three seed in that south region. That's Thursday in Indianapolis. The Volunteers will take on Longwood. So there's half your bracket there. Now not the other side of the bracket, because the South will be taking on the Midwest in the Final Four. Kansas is the third overall seed. They got the number one seed in the Midwest. They will face the winner of the play-in game on Tuesday in Dayton between Texas Southern and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. The winner of that game will then go to Fort Worth to face number one Kansas, again in the Midwest region, on Thursday. San Diego State's the eighth seed in the Midwest region. They have Creighton as the ninth seed in first round play on Thursday. Thursday in Buffalo, Providence is the four seed. They've got South Dakota State in the first round. There's that Iowa-Richmond game that we've talked a lot about. 5-12 matchup Thursday in Buffalo. Bottom half of the Midwest bracket, Auburn. They will play Friday at Greenville, South Carolina against Jacksonville State. If you missed it, Jacksonville State didn't win their conference tournament. They won the regular season, but because Bellarmine won the Atlantic Sun, Bellarmine's not able to play in the NCAA tournament because they are still making their transition into Division I. So Bellarmine did the dirty work in knocking Jacksonville out. Jacksonville State gets the automatic bid. They've got Auburn coming up on Friday. USC-Miami is that 7-10 matchup Friday in Greenville, while Friday in Milwaukee, Wisconsin's the three seed in the Midwest. They've got 14 seed Colgate from the Patriot League. The 6-11 matchup, LSU against Iowa State. That also Friday at Fiserv Forum in the Brew City. Finally, the East region. Baylor got the final number one seed. East will be taking on West in the final four in the national semifinals. Baylor's got North- Norfolk State at in Fort Worth, while North Carolina will take on Marquette in an eight-nine matchup. Also, UCLA is the four seed in the East. They'll play in Portland Thursday against Akron, the thirteenth seed. The winner of that matchup will take on the winner of the St. Mary's, Wyoming, or Indiana winner. So, Wyoming and Indiana will play in the first four games Tuesday in Dayton, winner gets St. Mary's Thursday in Portland, and then they'll await the winner of the UCLA-Akron game. You should note those games in Fort Worth, where I mentioned Baylor against Norfolk State and North Carolina against Marquette. Those are Thursday games. Also Thursday, Kentucky in Indianapolis will take on St. Peter's. The 7-10 matchup in that bracket. Murray State against San Francisco. You could get two Kentucky teams playing against each other in that second round uh, in Indianapolis. So that could be quite an atmosphere if Murray State and Kentucky both advance. But they'll play on Thursday. And then Friday in Milwaukee, Purdue takes on Yale in a 3-14 matchup. Texas takes on Virginia Tech in the 6-11 matchup. Friday in Milwaukee. There is your field of 68 as the big dance. Now that you can look at it in bracket form... Aaron and see kind of how it plays out anything standing out to you on how these uh, brackets are set up matchup wise Uh, anything catch your eye over these last 10 minutes
3: well I think to me uh, we always talk about toughest brackets the South Arizona the one seed I think you can argue they're playing the best of anybody right now win the Pac-12 championship without their starting point guard Kirk Kreese last night they get Illinois the number one seed in the in the Big Ten tournament as the four seed in their bracket they actually won at Illinois earlier this year in incredible, incredible game, but then the bottom of that bracket, Tennessee, we spent a lot of time talking about as the three seed, probably should have been on the two line, there was an argument to be made, they should have been on the number one and now you got Villanova, and uh, you know, Villanova is very divisive, we were filling in for the Doug Gottlieb show the other day, but Doug called in and said he does not believe in Villanova because there's not those obvious NBA players that usually carry you in March, I actually happen to really like Villanova, so to me, that's the toughest bracket, Um, you know, I can nitpick over certain things, I don't think Think that Duke should have been a two seed. Um, you know, I, I do think. By the way, the top half of the West region, where Arkansas and my alma mater, UConn, that could be an incredible second round matchup. And then the winner of that would face Gonzaga. So it, it's weird. You know, it feels like there are very very tough. Portions of this bracket, and it feels like there are very manageable portions of this bracket, and we can kind of continue that conversation if you want. But those are a couple of things that stood out. Uh, You know, some some other stuff. LSU just not having a head coach is just funny to me. Like, I I feel bad for the players. (laughs) Like, but it's just interesting to think about. Uh, You go on and on down the list. There's a lot of things. It's a very interesting bracket. You know, uh, Notre Dame and Rutgers having to fly across country to San Diego to play on Friday if they – if whoever wins Wednesday. Uh, these are – I'm just – you know, this is verbal you-know-what. I'm just spitting out here. So you can reel me in and take well, me in any direction that well, you Well, I,
0: I think that as you look at it and the, these things end up happening, and I think what, what the CBS likes to do in these scenarios is they try to develop a marquee region. That was my sure. theory, and, and I don't know if it really came to fruition – This time around, Aaron, because as the bracket set up in the regionals, the Friday Sunday, and this is not the first week; this is the second week. This would lead into the Final Four, but the Friday Saturday regional semi, or Friday Sunday regional semifinals and regional finals will be in Chicago and Philadelphia, and the matchups that you could have from those regions, a Kansas Auburn matchup, could be very entertaining to watch. It's just usually not the glitz and glamour in there. And maybe a Kentucky Baylor matchup is that matchup. But I just think that the glitz is in that West region. When you have Gonzaga, when you have Duke, and it's not about, I mean, we we talked about earlier in the week, but not having Duke and Kentucky in the tournament last year didn't make that tournament one less bit exciting, unless maybe you're a Kentucky or Duke fan. And so it's not that the tournament needs them, but when they are in, there is more glitz. And if you have Gonzaga and Duke, despite it being a rematch, if Chalk holds, and that is a big, big if for a lot of different reasons, but if Chalk holds the West to me, I mean, you could have, you could have that sweet 16, no offense to you, UConn, you come, but let's just say if it's no. Chalk of Gonzaga, Arkansas, Texas Tech and Duke. Yeah. And I mean, like that's, and, and, and you would have teams with different, you know, I mean, there's Texas Tech here and then there's everybody else over here and their style of play i mean that you know that to me that is the region that that stands out and it helps when you have the number one overall seed and it helps when you have the name duke in that bracket as well
3: well the other thing that stands out to me is you know we obviously do a lot of radio interviews side stuff all that stuff and and you always get the same questions this time of year well who's your dark horse who's the team that's not going to be a number one that can make and i'm i'm it's the the most annoying answer ever, but I'm always hesitant to say. I always say, let me see a bracket before I give you the teams that could pull the upset. Let me give you a, let me see let me see a bracket before I I have the situation where uh, where I start to uh, where I start to predict who's going to win what and can Tennessee go to a Final Four? Can Villanova go to a Final Four? And it's for reasons like this, Dan, is that you know Auburn is a team that has just been trending in the wrong direction for a month straight, and they were everybody's team that they're going to be a one seed, they're going to be a two seed, but at the end of the day, uh, they're going to fall flat once it gets to be the tournament. And so I bring it up to just say that when you look at their actual draw, you say, oh, I can see a very manageable path for them sure. into the Sweet 16, into the Elite Eight. And so that that's kind of another takeaway as well. I know it's annoying when people ask you, who's the team that you think, or who's the team that you think can get to a Final Four that nobody's talking about? Or who do you think's the one seed that's not going to make it? And it's like, i got to see a bracket first, and so
0: I think Auburn's a good example of that. Go ahead. Uh, No, he's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer. You know, there there, there was a story earlier this week, and Aaron Rodgers came back and was completely uh, taken over by the Russell Wilson trade. We may have another situation here. The Field of 68 is released, but let's go to the news desk with Ralph Irvin for some breaking news.
1: (laughs) making news from Fox Sports.
5: Tom Brady's not retired. (laughs) That's simple. No, Tom Brady has announced that after much thought, that there is more business to be done with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Quote, these past two months, I've realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands. That time will come, but it's not now. I love my teammates, and I love my supportive family. They make it all possible, and I'm coming back for my 23rd season in Tampa, unfinished business L-F-G. Wow. I'm sitting
0: here talking about Auburn, and Tom Brady's (laughs) coming back. See, now that's a fireable offense right there, Sam. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Tom Brady not retiring. Hold the phones. Field of 68 is set. Tom Brady back in the National Football League. That's where we will turn our attention next. I... There there are a lot of different reasons why Tom Brady now just unretired. I think that there is one big big reason why Tom Brady just unretired. I'll tell you what it is next. He's Aaron Torres, I'm Dan Bayer. This is Fox Sports Sunday.
2: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge.
0: Tom Brady is back. He's here at Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. A Fox Sports Sunday special edition has turned just into that. We had planned about talking brackets in the 68 team field. Now we're talking about one quarterback is Tom Brady. It's breaking news in the NFL has announced that he is not retiring. This was the tweet that he posted at 713 Eastern time, just 11 minutes ago quote these past 2 months i've realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands that time will come but it's not now i love my teammates and i love my supportive family they make it all possible i'm coming back for my 23rd season in tampa unfinished business lfg which we know that's let's let's let's, let's, go. Go. let's go let's go let's go let's go from tom brady you know why I think that Tom Brady is back? I
3: know you have a theory. I, I do, too. I want to hear yours. Yeah, I Go think ahead.
0: it because, the, again, the NFC is wide open. And not that Seattle was a contender, but now even Russell Wilson's out of that conference. The Saints and Panthers may be going after Deshaun Watson, but it's no guarantee that they would end up uh, landing the quarterback. That division is the Buccaneers for the taking if Tom Brady is playing. So there's a division title it's to get Super Bowl number eight. And when you see how weak the NFC is, just as old, even with Aaron Rodgers coming back, when you see how weak it is compared to what the AFC is, it gives Tom Brady that opportunity. They, the, And and listen, now with the expanded playoff field, Aaron, even if the Buccaneers aren't even that good, we're seeing bad teams make the playoffs. The Eagles made it this past year. The Bears made it the year prior. It, it's wide open, and 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 I think that that's like the realization that Tom Brady had. Not that he was shying away from competition, it's just that you step away and you realize, man, this thing is wide open. We could just go and do it again. Yeah, we ended up losing to the Rams, but guess what? We were down twenty-seven to three, made quite a comeback to tie the game, and we could have been the Rams winning back-to-back Super Bowls. It's it's all about getting number eight and winning again. And I think that's the number one reason why Tom Brady decided to return.
3: So I have two thoughts one right. I, I agree with that. um and this was by the way when when you and I were filling in for Doug, this was my Russell Wilson thing that we discussed is like I get Russell Wilson's frustration with Seattle. I don't think going to the AFC and in, in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert makes your path to Super Bowls easier even if you want to get out of Seattle. And so I think Tom Brady sees that as well. I do also think that there is well first of all there's a couple of things one to your point not only is there an op- not only is the window wide open this was such an important point to me when the initial retirement happened he's still playing at an elite level It's not as though this was Peyton Manning. When Peyton Manning retired, he could barely throw the football. The the defense and run game won the Broncos that last Super Bowl. Tom Brady's playing at an insanely high level. I truly believe that he wasn't totally there with retirement at any point. The initial reports, and I don't blame reporters for doing their jobs, but the initial reports kind of backed him into a corner where maybe he rushed the process. And then I think that the combination of I wasn't totally sure I was ready to go with, oh my goodness, this path is wide open. I, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. And it just, by the way, just made the NFL next season that much more fascinating.
0: I there there was, I'm not gonna name any names. This is hap- this happens in, in people's workplaces. Okay. Years ago, there was somebody that worked at Fox Sports Radio and ended up leaving. Okay. Left go and do other things. Three days later, they were back in the building, not with their job, but being like, hey, guys, guess what? (laughs) Like, you don't realize that when you step away, you think that the world stops, but it doesn't stop. It keeps going. And so now the void that you think is actually going to be left by your absence at the place is actually the 180 degree exact opposite of it. The void is in your life. And so it's not to say that Tom Brady's family didn't fill that void, but there was there was that void over these two months of even just prepping or of getting ready or doing your workouts. I think that that is a part of it as well. And you realize pretty quickly that, you know what, yeah, I, I miss it. And this is, listen, when, when Brett Favre would do this stuff and when he actually did retire, it wasn't until July – that he had announced that he wanted to come back. And by that point, Mike McCarthy and the Packers had had Aaron Rodgers be their quarterback that entire spring and summer heading into training camp. They had moved on from Brett Favre. At least with Tom Brady doing it now... Heck, the new league year hasn't even started yet. Free agency ends up beginning on Wednesday. So it's not like the Buccaneers had a lot of time. I mean, they placed the franchise tag on Chris Godwin. There is some offensive line issues that they're going to have to uh, to end up addressing and probably deal with in this offseason. But by and large, everything is kind of there for them. So it's not a, something where like – I. I'm not going to get on Tom Brady for wanting to retire and then realize a month later. I'll get on Brett Favre for doing it and waiting five months and then changing it, but if he feels that way and feels that that void is not there... Come on back and see if you can get
3: number eight. Well, I know we got to get to Ralph here, but just really quick, I would follow up on that by saying that was another part of the retirement that I had never really bought is it's clear that there are many athletes, and I'm not criticizing, but that have interests outside of the sport. Russell Westbrook has his fashion. Aaron Rodgers was traveling and playing the banjo all last offseason. Tom Brady has been on the same exact routine probably since he was 16 years old the season ends and then this is what I and by the way the season ends and then you usually do what you take a month or two off you relax and then you start building up for the next year and so these past this past week or two was probably the first time that it wasn't day one of the routine for the next season and that's why I think it's happening now and that was why I was never sold with Tom Brady because it's exactly what you said the month after the season you just want to get away from it it's like you know when you and I get a chance to take a vacation in July because we've been talking sports non stop. You just want to get away from sports for a day or two and I'm not saying that I'm not grateful for my job but you just want to get away from sports and I'm sure he just wanted to get away from football the second that the season ended. But then you fast forward. You go to a month, six weeks, two months into the offseason and all of a sudden you look up and say "Wait, wait! I'm supposed to be in the gym from 6am until 8pm every day what the heck am I going to do with all this
0: time? He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. A special edition that started out with a field of 68 but now the huge news that Tom Brady is unretiring and will play for a 23rd season. Today's show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, your home for live sports. And that means all sports, every game, match, race, and competition, it is always on. Now go on and plan your trip at VisitLasVegas.com to see the best and brightest in Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Can we even call it a retirement? We'll tell you after Ralph Irvin gives us the latest of not only what's happening with Tom Brady, but also that field of 68 that I mentioned. What's happening, Ralph? Well,
5: Tom Brady did uh, shake up the entire world of sports again as the NFL is about to embark on a weekend or a week where free agency can happen. He made sure that his team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, knew that they had a quarterback, saying that uh, again, we've said it before, these past two months, I've realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands. That time will come, but it is not now. He is back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after a brief time after announcing essentially his retirement. Now the NCAA tournament field of 68 has been announced. Top seeds in each bracket in the West. The top overall seed is the Gonzaga Bulldogs. In the South the number one seed is Arizona. In the Midwest, the number one seed is Kansas. And in the East, the number one seed is the Baylor Bears. In the NBA, 732 to play in the third quarter. Orlando a 60-56 lead over the Philadelphia 76ers. End of the first quarter, Atlanta leads Indiana 36 727. Houston and the Pelicans tied at 24. Two minutes to play in the first quarter, and four and a half minutes to play in the first quarter. Memphis leads Oklahoma City 27-14. But now let's get back to this special edition of Fox Sports
0: Sunday. Definitely a special edition, I'll tell you that. (laughs) My goodness. It was February 1st that Tom Brady announced his retirement. And now on March 13th, he is unretiring. My goodness. I can't even call it a retirement, Aaron. It was was it a sabbatical? A little football. Sabbatical? I think it's a break. You know, like the Ross and rachel they were on a break, sort of thing. Sure. I think that's probably what it was. No, there's no doubt. I um, I'm st- I mean, I'm
3: stunned, but I'm not stunned. I, I so let me ask you this. Do you believe the playing till 45 thing meant anything? Because yes. It, okay, so the day that the the story broke, he didn't officially announce it till Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it was. But Arnie Spanier and I were on that Saturday night. Arnie was filling in for Jason Martin. And I was on this kick of, I can't believe he's going to retire one year before 45. And Arnie, to his credit, I thought he brought up a good point. He goes, Aaron. What does it matter? What else is there to prove? He 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 did everything, he set every record, and oh by the way, he then left New England and won a Super Bowl without Tom Brady or without Bill Belichick. There's nothing left to prove. And I said, I don't know, but you can't talk verbally publicly for 10 years about playing till 45 and then just step away a year before. That's like I don't think that's how like driven successful people work. And um and
0: that always stuck with me even that day. I can't believe that all of these thoughts, all of these rumors, these well, Brady said this and maybe he was non-committal like I I took him for his word because I felt that there was it was such a heavy decision that when you call it quits, it's not like Tom Brady could take a season off in return that the decision that he made because I also thought too that he was going to play until forty five. so there had to be a reason a legitimate reason on why he was calling it quits after the season that probably Aaron had nothing to do with football, that it was the family sort of thing. I'm guessing he probably got the thumbs up from Giselle and the kids and said, you know what? This isn't for you in these eight weeks. You know you're not happy in dealing with not not that he's not happy with his feeling, but you have with his family. It's you have the itch to football. We understand. It's not like you could take a year off and come back. Why don't you go and do that stuff? Do it again. Like that's that's how I envision it. I also envision that the Buccaneers probably you know kept in touch and some of the some of the rumblings that went on even in this six or seven week span, whatever it's been since he officially announced it. You know, Rich Orenberger here on Fox Sports Radio, just on the show prior to us, even Steve Hartman. You know, Rich had some tweets about the relationship and what went on in Tampa with Bruce Arians and, and the, the game planning that that Brady and Leftwich would do. I would not doubt if some of that stuff is out of spite for whatever Rich may have said or other people may have said. Like all of that plays into it as well of people talking about Tom Brady and you get that itch. But but ultimately, I think the 45 was a big deal. I think that the uh the the go ahead that he likely got from his family was a big deal. And do, do you collect anything? Are you a collector of like and I'm I'm not I'm not raining yeah. on anybody's parade, but whether it be stamps, whether it be Star Wars figures, do you collect anything like you have a collection of? Not at this point in my life, but I have, yes. Okay. So do I. I collect mini helmets, mini sure. mini football helmets. It's my thing. And you know what? I can't wait to get the next one. Sure. And Tom Brady always talks about what's the best ring, the next one, the next one. It's one thing to be on six Super Bowls and then win seven in a different uniform. You know what? Seven also gets old. Like, you want to change that number to eight. Let's extend that finish line even further for anybody out there. And and it gets old when you know you're
3: good enough to do
0: it. That's what I
3: keep coming back to, and that's why I never bought that he was going to stay retired. He played at an MVP level at 44 Mm -hmm. years old this year, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was that that I think it's it's not only the next one it's not only the, it's that you're still good enough to do it right like and I know to, not to make it about college basketball but like you know if coach K it, him deciding to retire now is a lot different than him deciding to retire if you're coming off back to back or or three straight you know 8 and 22 seasons you know and so with Brady that that's the part that always stuck with me he's playing at a high level he's wanted to play till he's 45 as you said he's uniquely driven I never bought it,
0: but I didn't think it was going to be this quick. I didn't think it was going to be this quick. Tom Brady unretiring. It's breaking news. This on the heels of the field of 68 being released for the NCAA tournament. And again, if you missed Ralph Irvin, tell you Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, and Baylor got number one seeds. Now there's a decision for Rob Gronkowski on what he's going to want to do. Brady never, the, to my understanding, and the stuff that we're we're hearing never officially retired so there's no unretiring to do his salary was was there then so there, there's nothing that's going to change the only thing that's going to change is now how do the buccaneers approach free agency and honestly i i do think that jason light and bruce arians and byron Leftwich. that, that you know what, that's another is as, as i'm saying this not only is is tom brady playing on on top of or at you know near the top of his game Byron Leftwich didn't leave for the Jacksonville job. Todd Bowles didn't end up taking a job somewhere else, and maybe he'll be the heir apparent to Bruce Arians. But it's not only of getting the band back together, but the band didn't split apart when it came to the coaching staff. So whatever they had going on, there's continuity there where you don't have to deal with a new coordinator or maybe deal with a, a new coach here and there. Like That all stays the same. And that probably played a role in it as well, where things in in Tampa just kind of stayed status quo and let all the other movement in the other spots uh, end up allowing him to want to come back even more. Because I think the path is even easier than it was at the start of this offseason in the NFC.
3: Well, absolutely. And then it goes into all the other factors that that you said. I mean, you could argue they played. The Rams tougher than anybody else. I know the Rams had four, you know, three fourth quarter comebacks and all that, but I mean that was a final minute comeback against the uh, against the uh, against the Tampa Bay Bucks, and so I just don't know how if you're Tom Brady, like like it's weird to say how can you not be satisfied at 44 years old with seven Super Bowls under your belt, but if you know you're good enough. And this has been your life. I don't understand why you would want to step away. Again, I hate to keep reiterating the same point, but it's one thing if you're Peyton Manning. It's one thing if you're beaten up. It's one thing mm-hmm. if you're Andrew Luck, and I know we're not. I'm not comparing the successes of the two, but when it's just a grind, when you're getting beat up, when you don't have the personnel around you. But you went toe-for-toe toe with the eventual Super Bowl champs. To your point, Dan, the entire conference is wide open. Let Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and all those guys, Russell Wilson, beat up on each other. Uh, you come back. As you said, the band is it never really fell apart, so it's not really getting back together. It just it makes a lot of sense when you really talk it out.
0: He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Tom Brady, unretiring, even though he never officially did retire, did tell us a month and a half ago that he was going to hang him up, now takes to social media to say, hey, I'm back for season number 23. Tom Brady will be back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. More on this breaking news story next year on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Sunday, he's Aaron Torres, I'm Dan Beyer. It's a special edition for more reasons than one. Field of 68 has been unveiled, and Tom Brady is back in the National Football League. It's breaking news as the quarterback has announced that he will return for a 23rd season. Retired, the word leaked out late January, ended up making the announcement on February 1st, now on March 13th. Tom Brady is back in the National Football League saying, yeah, retirement and sitting in the stands can wait. He's going to be back on the football field for Tampa.
3: Just a quick moment of silence for a uh, listener of ours, Cameron Kelly, who tweets in that he released Tom Brady in his Dynasty Fantasy Football League yesterday. Or I don't know if you release or trade or how it works, but uh, so poor Cameron Kelly uh, gave up on Tom Brady retirement as of yesterday. So quick moment of silence for him. But man, oh man, I I mean... I was one day, and I know I've said it a few times now. I thought it was going to happen. I didn't think it was going to be this quick, though. I thought, as you, you you referenced the the Brett Favre stuff, I thought it would be you get closer to training camp, you realize how this is. I should be preparing for a
0: season. I didn't think it was going to be this quick. I didn't think it was going to happen. I I honestly believed him. And by the way, when he retired, he he did retire. So, I'm, I'm not saying that Tom Brady never retired. He just never retired in the sense of when we look back at his career, it's not a I'm back sort of deal like a Michael Jordan leaving for baseball. He sure. retired for six weeks, but just never lost any, or, you know, never played any games, no practices, none of that. But it was legit that he was stepping aside. And the, the, the news came out, and I know that there, that. Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington, who were the first to report the news, got some flack for what they were reporting. But other insiders also jumped on that report. And then three days later, Tom Brady did what they said he was going to do, and that was retire. And now he ends up changing the field. I don't think it was ever the case of, see, those guys were wrong. Their information was right. All of the insiders' information ended up being correct because Brady did end up re- retiring or making that announcement but then when asked about it and asked about it various times he left the door open and 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 that's i think that there's there's a difference there from because people want to listen adam schefter's had a rough couple of months with some of the tweets that he sent this one i'm going to give him a break on at least you know at least he's not retweeting where michigan's seated in the ncaa tournament those, by the way, could go by the wayside because they shouldn't even be seated. That's another story for another day. It should have been today because we were talking about the field of 68, but Tom Brady retires. Uh, Mike Evans tweeting uh, the LFG, if you will. Bruce Arians saying totally excited. Jalen Ramsey tweeting, thank goodness that Tom Brady's last touchdown pass thrown wasn't against him. So we can go <laughs> throw it against uh, someone else. But now there are other decisions. What do the Bucks do in free agency? What does Rob Gronkowski end up doing but Tom Brady is back in the National Football League uh six weeks, seven weeks after announcing his retirement. do you think now with NFL free agency, I think this is a perfect way to kind of wrap up this show the NFL is overtaken like it, Everything. It, it's, it's such a behemoth it is. And as a college basketball guy, this is your week this is the this is the week that college football basketball fans have always. Loved. I love it as well. I can't wait till Thursday morning and games are tipping off. But now with NFL free agency starting yes. and it like it it is now swallowing up even more of college basketball than it normally did.
3: Well, and it's it, the, the good thing is for college basketball, it's not just college basketball. I mean the NFL draft uh, generally goes on during like the first round of the uh, NBA playoffs. And it feels like we spend, you know, th- the draft is now three days and really the the week before is all draft coverage. And I know we're going to have people on site in Vegas this year. And I know that, uh, you know, all the other networks do too. And all of a sudden it kind of takes over and all of a sudden you look up and it's the second round of the playoffs. Uh, the combine obviously had its moment a few weeks ago. We're going to have pro days coming up. So it's certainly not just college basketball, but yeah, it feels like for us college basketball diehards, tournament gets the a, a worldwide pandemic breaks out on the eve of the tournament 2 years ago. Really the only sport that had to cancel a championship. Uh this happens with Tom Brady. That's all anybody's going to talk about basically until the game starts. So, you know, it is what it is. You you take your, you know, you take your lumps and then you, you know, you move on and
0: hopefully you, you pick a good bracket and win some money and everybody has a good time. Maybe that's why Brady made the announcement when he did. So then we wouldn't be I talking about I think he was so fired up about Michigan well, making the say, field. I yeah. think he's trying to cover it up actually how because all we'd be talking (laughs) about is how they shouldn't be in the field them in their longest three game win streak that they had this season but somehow not only does Michigan get in the field of 68 they don't even have to play in the first four which is crazy Crazy talk, I tell you. But the Big Ten had quite a day with nine teams getting in the NCAA. It's so tournament. funny because that would have been like a f-
3: six-minute segment that we did. Like, Michigan, I mean, how are they not in the play-in? And now it's like, that. Like I love college basketball, but that feels pretty trivial. Uh, Tom Brady's coming back. He is unretired. What does it mean for the NFC? What does it mean for the Super Bowl? Why did he do it? Uh, it all of a sudden, Michigan's, Michigan, Colorado State in round one doesn't feel
0: quite as important. Now, really, I'll tell you what, this puts the heat on Carolina and the San Because those were the two teams to really make the push for Deshaun Watson, or that we've heard that have made pushes for Deshaun Watson. We know that Carolina's been in on it for a while, but now when you realize that you're going to have to deal with Tom Brady for at least one more season. And if you're Matt Rule in Carolina, you're coaching for your job. Like, this is if you don't have success this season, you're not going to be back next season. That is, that seems to be a given. So now if you're Carolina and you're in that aspect, and, and listen, I don't know what the future of Christian McCaffrey is. If he stays there, the, the, they would have a really, really good offense if you could add Deshaun Watson to that. But now it seems like it's even more desperate with Tom Brady being back. Because if Carolina would have gotten Deshaun Watson and Tom Brady would have stayed retired – I would have picked Carolina to win that division. Of course, yeah. you know, like I mean, considering Atlanta's going to still have problems. Who knows what's going to happen with the Saints now with Sean Payton not there? Uh, I, I still, I, I would have picked Carolina as the team to win that division. Now I don't think that's going to be the case.
3: No, I, I do think it makes it more interesting, and I do think to your point, it puts more pressure on somebody, especially in the NFC, to make a move on Deshaun Watson. Um, I, and I think it just, I'll say this. I'm not surprised it happened. It's good for the sport, right? I think the NFC really would have been lacking next year. Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, the Rams. But after that, you're really kind of struggling to find the storylines, what's going on with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Now we got that team in the NFC South that's a Super Bowl contender. Now the sport feels a little bit more balanced. A week or two ago, it felt
0: very much skewed for the AFC. And Tom Brady can reach that goal as he turns 45 coming up this August. And so to play when he was 45 you mentioned it earlier and that's a point that I always thought it was always it was always a number that was brought up and to have him fall short of that at the time when he announced the retirement a few weeks back just it didn't it didn't hit right that he wasn't going to hit that 45 number now he's going to do it Tom Brady, breaking news, back in the National Football League, saying he is returning and will do so as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hey, it's going to be a great week, not only with the NFL, but obviously NCAA tournament. It's been a lot of fun, Aaron. We'll have to do it again. Thank you. Maybe next year no on retirement, (laughs) son. For Aaron Torres, I'm Dan Fire. This is Fox Sports Sunday.